weirdos have to stick together, a show where a couple of weirdos talk all about the Owl House. I'm nobody, and joining me is the most wanted criminal in the Boiling Isles. It's Quill. How are you, Quill? I'm doing okay. Like, uh, yeah, like, not really much going on so far. I, I still have not heard back from the one that I did an in-person interview with this week. Hopefully they get back to me tomorrow, because, like, we're trying to get some word from them about whether they've made a decision or not, but yeah, just nothing yet. Um, yeah, that's always rough. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's really a case of, like, they ask you, like, when can you start? And it's, like, immediately, and it's, like, okay, and then they take ages to figure it out themselves <laughs> when they yeah. want somebody to start if they go with them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the major problem with them was the fact that, uh, apparently, when I did the phone interview with the staffing agency, they, uh, at one point, I was, like, hey, full disclosure, I'm a nominary trans person and everything, and they were, like, okay, well, what would your legal name be? I was like, all right, time to dead name myself. And apparently they only made a note of that name for the actual job location and not the preferred name. So for the first hour or so, they were like trying to figure out who the hell I was for the interview appointment. And oh, by the wonderful. Yeah, and like by the time that they were like pulled me aside and be like, how'd you find out about the position? Because we're trying to figure out who you are. I'm like, okay, I think I figured out what's going on here. I think you might just have me under my legal name and not the preferred name because you don't know who I am otherwise. And then I had to, unfortunately, give my legal name again. And they're like, okay, that makes sense. This tracks. Okay, let's actually do the interview now. Ew, yeah. Gross. Great. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I mean, the rest of the interview was fine. Like, it went pretty good and everything. So it was really just that. And it's like, hey, it was a lot better, at least, than the one I had to do in person the week before when the woman phrased it as, okay, tell me your real name. And I'm like, that's, nope, I told you preferred name and birth name or legal name just two seconds ago. You fucked up, lady. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, that's so bad. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Feels bad. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have not even been responded to with any of the applications I put in, so. Yeah. It's been fun. Yep. Somebody, hey, everybody, it's a trans day of visibility and everything. Give us jobs. <laughs> we, we, we deserve the jobs so that we get, or whoever, we just deserve the money. If you just want to give us money, we'll take money. Yeah, I'd be okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, aside from that, like I mentioned in the other Discord that I got some new bras and everything, or technically bralettes, they made me, they make me feel real good. 
way easier to put on than bras because they don't have the clasps or anything. <laughs> Which, God, <laughs> those fucking things in the back, so annoying. Yeah. Honestly, no. though, I love them. I'm just, I don't know what it is. I just really like the clasps. And I've read, like, a whole bunch of different tips and tricks on ways to do it easier, and I just, mm. I don't do that. Yeah, like, I, I reach I, I behind. Mean, I, That's the way it works for me. I mean, I, I even have, like, uh, the, uh, what's it called? Sam's bro- uh, brother who used to have this old room that I'm now in, because basically he kind of, mm-hmm. like, coaxed him out and everything when she was getting rid of her ex and all. He left behind, like, the, the mirror, like, one of those kind of, like, normal door mirrors that you can just hang on the back of the door. And so it's like, mm-hmm. oh, well, I actually have, like, a wall mirror now. And it's like, I even tried to use that at times. So and it's like, how is this not helping? <laughs> this is making it actually more annoying. <laughs> yeah, I guess I don't know. It's just something that works for me. It's a, mm. like, coy reception thing or something. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. If I'm remembering I mean, that word maybe right. It's, maybe it's also my fingers being stupid and not dexterous enough for it or something. But whatever. It's easier to slip them on. Although at times, like, the, the pads in it, like, get a bit disheveled because the times like the bra rolls around on itself when you're trying to pull it over like that oh i was wrong about that word it's proprioception my mistake but yeah so i don't know it's definitely an adventure that you have to get used to but yep (laughs) worth it i'd say yeah i mean hey also worth it finally getting a pair of uh femme pajama pants because jesus christ these are so fucking soft and comfy and why the fuck did I ever bother to wear masculine pajama pants at all ever in my life? <laughs> Just take all the ones I have and burn them. I will not be needing them anymore. Goodness. Dramatic. Yep. <laughs> yeah. No, um, trying to think about things really going on at all with me, like... I mean, I brought the Switch into my room because I used to put it in the living room because I'm getting back in the ring fit. Cause, uh, nice, nice. Cause it's, well, my train of thought is like, not only should I try to like get back some of the the muscle mass for like my arms in particular that I've lost from uh, sixteen months of estrogen, I'm also like, well, if I burn calories playing ring fit, maybe my appetite will go up, which means if my appetite goes up, I'll eat more, which means more fat for titty. <laughs> 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 Nintendo uh, is helping me get grow boobs, is what I'm getting at. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, good. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I uh, I definitely have not been as on the ring fit train as I need to be, but sometimes. Yeah. I'm very out of shape. I can only do it for about eight minutes at a time. Yeah, like I, I used to like be like around like ten minutes or so of like actual like activity, like based on the in-game clock. Uh, I went for like fifteen mm-hmm. today, but also most of that was me trying to do that annoying fucking mini game of smacking the like the discs away with the big fan whatever it's called because like i had oh, one i of don't those... think i'm familiar with that one huh it's it's uh, hmm. I'm trying to think of like when it actually would show up but also i'm trying to remember stuff from like back in october 2019 when that game released so maybe i don't yeah. remember when it first shows up but yeah it's one that like i had a uh, one of those like side missions of like oh hi kitty <laughs> i heard that <laughs> yeah i had a side mission for like beat this without getting hit and it's just like one part at the very end where like usually they like, throw frisbees from the opposite side so this way you're just like swinging the ring con back and forth but there's one bit at the very end where one of those like gold robots that throw multiple discs at you after one after another throws it from the same side as where you had just swung from so you have to try to like 
get the the Joy-Cons back in the neutral position to swing back in that same direction real quick. Or swing in the opposite direction and then swing backward really quick to hit it before it knocks you. And you fail because you can't take any damage <laughs> in it. And it's like, I definitely have to tell my roommates, like, hey, if you hear me swearing a lot, it's just me playing Ring Fit because uh, it's going to kick my ass. <laughs> you don't hear me, that's like, yeah, I think you're a lot cause... further in that game than I did because none of what you just said sounded familiar. Fair. I mean, I, I just hit like level 174 in terms of like the character progression. <laughs> it goes oh, for yeah, wow. a long time. <laughs> and once you beat the main game, there's like super levels. It's kind of like what they do with like a lot of Nintendo games where it's like, you beat, okay, you beat the main story. You're not done, motherfucker. Now the real game starts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's still a really fun game, and they oddly just like sort of timed it with a few months before the pandemic began, because man, that was like a good time to release, because people definitely played a lot of Ring Fit during the pandemic. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you know, I had that game for, like, a long while, but uh, the thing is, is that I use a projector instead of a TV, Oh, and that makes it really hard to play Ring Fit, because, yeah, the, uh, the, 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 the Wii U has to plug into your projector, yeah. and so the dock has to be behind the screen, and it was a pain, but hmm. when I moved, I made sure to get it set up so that I could use a a computer yeah. monitor to do it instead yeah because that's what i just do like i i mean i have like a one of those l-shaped desks where i actually hooked it up to my uh second monitor because it's actually like on the corner itself so this way i have like a little bit more space off to the sides because if i do it from like my main monitor it's like i'm kind of like standing a little bit too close to my like dresser as a result because it's right next to my desk mm -hmm. so kind of have to do it more at an angle so this way i don't smack in anything didn't stop yeah. me from uh definitely like <laughs> accidentally smacking my computer chair and making it slide across and hit the wall a bit <laughs> but yeah <laughs> we're all good i mean i didn't do like the the general like running through the levels part just because i was doing a bunch of like side quests because like every time you clear one of those worlds you get like so those side quests that pop up in the same one that you just did so it's like i mostly was doing those to be like okay let me get back into the swing of this and just like yeah swear at the fucking screen being like fuck shit <laughs> god damn it with that stupid <laughs> fan minigame <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's still fun. <laughs> yeah, uh, that is that is the goal, though. Work up more of a sweat to have a bigger appetite for to get bigger titties. <laughs> <laughs> less, less about the muscle mass in the arms and more about the muscle mass on the chest. <laughs> yeah, how's yeah, it going? I mean, I certainly can't fault you for that. <laughs> yeah, uh, how's your uh, week been, though? Uh, well, I mean, it's been nice. <laughs> it's I don't know how much to talk about it exactly, because it isn't necessarily uh, interesting. Mm -hmm. It's it's a lot of me dealing, and I'm finding a way to do that. Uh, that med I talked a lot about last week, I'm taking it every other day, and that's striking a really nice balance for me. I'm sleeping now, I'm not missing meals anymore, and I can do stuff sometimes. So that's that's been really nice to adjust to. It's just not super interesting. Yeah, but hey, I mean, it's better to have like a boring week where you like don't have shit happen in your life than to have... It's one of those things that like people have said a lot over the last two years of like God, I would like like to live in unprecedented times instead of unprecedented times. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, you're definitely not wrong about yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. It's just... I don't know. If we talk about it in Spoons Theory, it's... I have some spoons now, which is more than I used to. <laughs> I just still don't have as many as I want, so yeah. it's, it's going to take some getting used to. But yeah, yeah, it's it's all a work. It's all a work in progress. So you figure out what works for you and what doesn't. Exactly. The only real thing I did this week, and it's not super interesting, but I had a big presentation in one of my classes yesterday about. Um, it's a reader's advisory class, so like how to interact with patrons in a library, basically. Mm -hmm. And I had to do a 20-minute presentation about specifically, jeez, um, I need to look this up. There was some wild acronym that was enormous. Right. <laughs> uh, yes, the presentation was about reader's advisory and LGBTQQIP2SAA. <laughs> <laughs> so I love it. It's great. I love that that acronym keeps getting bigger. I love that there's room for everybody. So, so uh, it's sorry, a pain I, to I, say I, that a lot over time. Yeah, I need I need to know what the full acronym is then, because like I mean, obviously it starts with the usual LGBTQ and everything, and IA in there. But like, what's everything else? <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that would be. Lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, questioning, intersex, pansexual, two-spirit, androgynous, and asexual. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> so, yes, I did have to practice saying that a lot before the yeah, presentation. There's a reason why a lot of times I just say the queer community. <laughs> instead of, the L instead yeah. of usually the LGBTQIA plus community. Because, again, it's, it's just less syllables and it's the same deal. I do the same thing, I'm not going to lie. It's, in my opinion, it's as inclusive, but easier to say. Yeah. But for the purposes of this presentation, I made sure to, like, be broad about it, because not everybody is, like, comfortable with every term, you know? Right. And that's a big part of what I had to talk about, is learning to meet people on their level, rather than prescribing where to meet them. Yeah. It's it's like the usual thing where it's like technically anybody that's not cis is considered trans, but not everybody who is not cis would refer to themselves as trans kind of deal. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So, like, even though it's not technically reader's advisory, a huge part of that presentation was just helping to get people on level where they're able to, you know, interact with people on the level people want to be interacted with and not just make assumptions. Right. Yeah, which is the ideal goal in the end, where people do not make assumptions based on how you might dress or how you might sound or whether or not, let's say, you have boobs on your chest or not. <laughs> exactly. Yep. And then the other half of it was just um, tools for finding queer books in the first place so we can advise them, because that's what Reader's Advisory is. <laughs> and it turns out, not a lot of good tools for that. I had to do some real digging. <laughs> But yeah, no, that that went extremely well, and that's basically the only thing I did this week. Well, I mean, you also said that you're like at the, in the throes of finals, so it makes sense that like you don't have a lot of time to do other stuff. That's fair, but at the same time, it's not like I'm not 
doing things, you know? I'm just kind of sitting there and then six hours have passed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'm there at times, too. I mean, I mentioned to you earlier that... Hey, guess who didn't watch the episodes until this afternoon that we're doing today? Yeah. This person right here, this idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, dang, I almost was like, I should probably just at the least watch episode 8, because, like, I remember enough episode 7. If I don't have time, I could just skip it. But, like, at the same time, no, it's really not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's Because, like, I always watch the episodes the day of. I don't do that way in advance i want to make sure i have them fresh in my memory for our discussions right and normally that's fine but sometimes that causes me some significant issues if like like last I week where you were still on... writing down notes yeah. for episode six <laughs> as we were sitting there yeah, waiting exactly. <laughs> yeah not to pull the current away and like reveal uh the oz just hanging out there and all but like yeah <laughs> I mean, there's, yeah. there's also the fact that, like, I mean, we record last on Saturday, and it feels like there's less time between as a result, because obviously there is, there's two last days, but it also feels at times that it's like, oh yeah, when we do it like that, the episode gets uploaded two days later, and then it's like, oh, and three days after that, we're back at it again. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's funny whenever we, like, don't stick to the usual Thursday schedule that it feels a little bit more constricted, which, I mean, obviously it is, because like I said, you have two days less between episode recordings when it's saturday and then sunday or saturday and thursday rather yeah no that's very true but like i, I guess the issue i'm trying to get at here is time just sort of gets away from me i yeah. meant to start watching the episodes around 10 o'clock this morning and then i did at seven ish seven thirty yeah and it wasn't that i was doing anything i just was kind of being there <laughs> yeah i mean uh, yeah understandable I, I get that way sometimes too because i mean like even like this morning when i had breakfast i was like oh let me find a video to watch while i eat breakfast and then like no video i like was able to find that i wanted to watch on like youtube or whatever was long enough and i was just like <laughs> kind of sitting there being like well i guess uh i guess well i mean i'll be honest here i only had like some cookies for breakfast i didn't really have like a big breakfast but also like <laughs> a I mean, breakfast of champions yeah exactly I mean, hey, I mean, it was like two hours after that where I kind of like gave up on the cookies and then I just had like some pierogies for like an early lunch anyway. So it's like, yeah, this is, I guess. Listen, this you're is... doing better than me. I don't eat breakfast. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I it's like really, I, I, again, it's part of the whole like, I know I need to eat this because it's like, even if I don't necessarily want to at the moment because I'm not hungry enough, I know eventually it's like, well, a uh, future quill will appreciate it because a bigger titty, but current quill is like eh, i can wait <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so yep i i guess i don't really have anything else to bring up i did watch turning red but i i just don't have a whole lot to say about it it was cute it was good it was not worth the huge overreaction people have to it yeah i i honestly haven't watched it yet but like i kind of know a good amount of it because like it was on in the background because, like, uh, a few weekends ago, my friend Sam had, like, her other friend, Nina, and her six-year-old kid come over, and they were watching a little bit of it, mm -hmm. so I heard bits of it. And so I'm like, okay, I think I understand where this is going because it's like, yeah, the pain of the thing. And I, I think, like, the big thing of why it got all of attention is because it's, like, one of those first bits of kids media that, like, acknowledges that y you go through puberty at some point, kids, kind of deal. 
Well, that's like that's why people freaked out about it. But yeah. realistically, that's a moment that lasts maybe thirty seconds in the yeah. whole movie. Yeah, it's it's very short because <laughs> it's like really yeah. in the first like what fifteen minutes it happens. Yep. Yeah, and then it's done. When yeah, it's... no, this is a movie about generational trauma, and I love that we have a movie about generational trauma, mm-hmm. but people are freaking out on it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. I mean, it's, like, one of the things I mentioned in, like, one of our uh, separate little Discord threads of me being, like, I really just appreciate it, because, like, we haven't actually mentioned it in these episodes, but, like, I just like how the season two a outfit just straight up shows bra straps because usually cartoons don't acknowledge that boobs exist <laughs> it's like i get why it's like a bit of a strange thing but it's like she's an adult so it's like we, we you you can acknowledge that she would have a bra on guys <laughs> yeah yeah it's like one of the things i remember <laughs> from like is i think it's like the second or third episode of amphibia too it's like the one when uh, the basement gets flooded and it's staying in Sprig's room where it's like at one point like Sprig just like kind of steps on a sports bra kind of deal and it's like hey just seeing that I'm like hey look at that they're actually kind of acknowledging that she is a teenager she <laughs> would be at that point where she needs one hooray all right let's move on <laughs> kind of deal because like again cartoons really don't do that much <laughs> yeah definitely I uh, I can't say that I'm aware of any other examples, but it's definitely nice to see that represented sometimes. Yeah, because again, it's like... Make people feel like exist and aren't just dirty yeah. secrets to be covered up. Pretty much. Like, hey, turn... Hey, I mean, in the, in the long term, everyone's got boobs. It just depends on whether or not they grow outward more. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so... um. I think that's it for me. Have you got anything else you'd like to bring up? Eh, not really. I mean, I think I've really covered everything from this week that has happened. It's like not not much going on. I mean, unfortunately, like, I mean, I did mention beforehand in whatever the chats that, like, one of my roommates does have COVID at the moment, so we're being pretty careful around the public areas in the apartment. He's mostly been mm-hmm. hanging out in his room. You know, he's at least doing the responsible thing and, like, being like, yeah, I'll walk around if I need to... Obviously, he's gonna have to leave his room at some point because, like, he has to eat or go shower or something. So, like, he puts a he puts on an N95 when he has to leave his room and everything, and he's just been holed up in there otherwise. And it's like, okay, well, it's a shitty situation, but also, if I'm being honest, as soon as I had, like decide I was gonna be like moving in with people, like rather than trying to get a place of my own, I knew this was gonna be probably a matter of time. Because I mean, like, yeah. even like a few weeks before I moved here, like Sam actually got COVID, so. Of the three of us here, on him or something, so you can hear him coming and flee. Yeah, <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, it, we don't even—I don't even hear that when the cat, like, I mean, one of the cats has a collar on. It's just that, yeah, we haven't gotten like Simon like stationary enough to get one on him because like he's too skittish. Like, he—he'll—he'll he'll come up for pets <laughs> and he loves being around people, but at the same time, it's like you walk anywhere near him, he immediately's like, oh fuck, and runs away. <laughs> so yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I think it was, like, his previous home. I think, like, they had young kids, and I think they weren't that kind to him because little kids don't realize it if they don't get told multiple times that you shouldn't bother with the cat that much. So I think he's <laughs> I think he's just going to be skittish for most of his life or something. But, yeah, I never hear the cat go around that has a collar on because, like, I mean, Blue has a tag and everything. And it's like, I never can hear her going around anywhere. Anytime I ever hear them doing anything <laughs> is if they get, like, the 2 a.m. zoomies going around with toys. <laughs> And yet you hear every time Ziggy comes anywhere near the computer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's different. Your cat is at times, like, actually, like, making noise near the microphone or just straight up meowing. 
She tries. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, honorary podcast guest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got some fairly heavy stuff to get into today, so oh. shall we oh, start yeah. <laughs> with the gay pain episode? <laughs> yep. We have two very queer episodes today. <laughs> yes, indeed. So the episode I'm covering is Season 2, Episode 7, Ida's Requiem. Which, just the cheeriest of titles. You know it's going to go good from there. Oh, yeah. did, did you remember when they, when this title leaked, when everybody was like, oh, Ida ever dies this episode, or something bad happens to her kind of deal? It's like, yeah, something bad does kind of happen to her, but tangentially, like, associated with her rather than directly to her mm-hmm. in a way. But it's like, it's like it's there, yeah. there was a good amount of people that were like, Ida's going to die in this episode. It's like, what the fuck? Shut up. Oh, people also thought Hootie was going to die and knock, knock, knocking on Hootie's door, okay? I guess because of the song reference. Why? Because of the song reference, I guess. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, no. It's so if they're going to kill off a major character, it's going to be like at the very end. It's not going to be this soon into the season. <laughs> but, okay, yes. Uh, so we open on Ida making a to-do list, which includes such incredible gems as getting a new coat for Luz, something called Check Itchy Boy, Pay Water Bill, Clean Hootie Question Mark, and Burn Old Dress. Uh, she does muse to herself a little bit about how she's changed and how it's worth it. She sort of looks at a picture of Luz and King, and she's just really fallen into the mom role. As she's doing this reflecting, they are outside working out. Luce and King are doing some, I don't know how to describe it exactly. They're like inverted sit-ups. They've got their knees hooked around Ida's staff and they're pulling themselves up. Those are a thing. I don't know if they have like a specific name besides just like inverted pull-ups or upside-down pull-ups, but those are, yeah, that's a thing. No, it definitely is. It's just a wild thing to be doing right now. A little bit, yeah. They're they're training for a, well, we'll, well, we'll talk about that. Yeah, so they uh, reach 10 pull-up things, and Luce asks King what he's going to do when he meets his dad, at which point he says he's going to move out of the closet, wink, wink, and ugly cry real big. <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess he's been living in a closet this time, but I don't think we ever actually seen it unless that shot in the intro with all the stuffed animals counts. Uh, I mean, as we'll see uh, in during uh, Dr. Nogan and Hootie's Dork, he does have a dog bed in Luce's room, so maybe he's counting that one. That, that's like, so weird. Luz <laughs> basically lives in a closet as a thing. Well, she's in the attic, though. Is she? I thought, I thought she's in, like, a normal... Yeah. No, wait. Because in Eclipse Lake, when she tries to, like, lunge out of the room, like, there's... It's not like she's, like, on a ladder leading to the rest of the house or anything. It's just a regular hallway. But she's clearly on an upper floor, though, because yeah, the but, windows... but the house has multiple floors. It doesn't just have one floor and then the attic. I don't think that's... Listen, that house isn't big enough to be a three-story <laughs> house. But also, it's Hui, so... Yeah, at the same time, it's a nightmare house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I guess it doesn't matter, but yeah. Uh, so, Luce asks King if he's told Ida that he's planning to leave, but he cuts her off because he's not ready to talk about it, and he doesn't know how Ida's going to react. But, of course, she overheard this and is immediately upset. Uh, right when she started to feel comfortable in this parenting role, everyone is leaving. Mm. So she takes that picture to put it in a trunk, 
which the lock just pops off when she punches it. And there's no key, so great security. Well, I mean, we've established that Ida is very strong. She's strong enough to punch the side of the wall and have it crack under her strength. So it's like she might just be strong enough to just punch the lock. <laughs> but, uh, yes, she, the chest opens and she is immediately distracted by a very old instrument. I want to call this a loot. Um, the wiki says it's a mandolin, but honestly, my sister is a mandolinist, and this does not look like that, <laughs> basically at all. It's got strings. That's mostly the <laughs> similarity. So I don't know. I guess I'll call it a mandolin because that's what the wiki accepts that it is. But I'm just saying. It's <laughs> see, mandolins have double strings. They have twelve. So. <laughs> Anyway, I, um, I don't know anything about is... instruments, really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, my sister and I, between the okay, two of hang us, on. It's, I, it's have, a nightmare I have to house. interrupt here a bit. I'm on the owlhouse.fandom.com wiki about the actual Owl House location. And here, second floor, Luce's room. Once a storage closet, now a comfy hideout. Luce has made this room her own with a few possessions she brought from the human realm and lots of Eda stuff. It, 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 it phrases it as ground floor, second floor, and top floor. Top floor being where Ida's room, the bathroom, and the balcony are. <laughs> so I think it's... That's I think so it, Yeah, weird. I do not think it is a case of, like, Luce has ever been in an attic. I think it's, like, Ida kind of has the equivalent of the attic because... I mean, we we see that where, like, an episode in, in season one, episode four, when, like, she turns the yellow beast, she had, like, broken through the glass up there. So I, I mean, yeah, we know that the big window goes straight into Ida's room. We see that in this episode, mm -hmm. but like, I don't, I don't know. Luce's room is just way too big to be a closet. That's all. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it looked like really small and narrow in the first episode when she laid out her uh, bedroll for, from camp. Yeah, but now Jean Luc's in there, and she's still got room to move around. <laughs> Well, she's still 14, she's gonna have so three of her friends in there next week. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. So we had to acknowledge that. I'm sorry for interrupting, but we had we had to figure this out. <laughs> no, you're right. You're absolutely right. Um. Yeah. So mandolins. Uh, it is a nightmare house living with my sister and I. We play entirely too many instruments, and we don't play any of them well. That is. That is the point I was trying to make. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> the other thing is is that this quote-unquote mandolin is clearly too big to be in the box it's in. It's sticking out at least a good eight inches, but magic. that doesn't seem to affect, Ma like... Magic. Don't worry about it. Hmm? It's magic. <laughs> yeah. Chest of holding. So she picks it up and plays it. Hmm? It's, a, it's like a bag of holding, but it's a chest. <laughs> She plays it for a bit, and just for a moment, things start to levitate around her, so she thinks her magic is coming back, but uh, then they all drop again. And she looks away, and they start to have this burning, corrosive effect that I guess she doesn't notice, but then we get the credits. Um, in this episode, we're kind of doing the weird cutaway thing again, because after the credits, we open on Luce and King flying on Ida's staff. They're doing some flight training, and this lasts about 15 seconds before we cut back to Ida. <laughs> and she is watching the news, where she learns that Scooter Crane has retired as the coven head for the Bards, but that Rain Whispers is being installed in Scooter's place. 
and Rain is extraordinarily nervous. They apparently have a terrible case of stage fright, and uh, while they're giving their acceptance speech, they do mispronounce the word unity like three times before just running off. So I, I, I have a wonderful start. I have a very strong resonance of Rain in this moment because, of course, every time that I have to like talk to more than one person at a time, I, of course, also stumble over my words and say the wrong shit all the time. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so King and Luce enter the house, and Ida asks why they're flying so much. She's sort of hoping that Luce has decided to stay in the boiling aisles, but really what it is is that uh, there's a race coming up. See, uh, Luce is having trouble with the Echo Mouse because it is just constantly terrified living in the Owl House, which, valid. <laughs> and, you know, since Hootie eats it whenever he sees an opportunity, it's like... <laughs> Oh, also, Hootie makes a Guardians of Gahul joke, which yep. is just weird. Yeah, it was very strange that, like, when the when this episode first aired, I'm like, did he make a fucking Guardians of the Gahul joke? Sure did. <laughs> yeah, he absolutely did. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't know how seriously to take that. We know that books wash up there. Yeah, but... I mean, hey, we get a Neon Genesis Evangelion. <laughs> yeah, we get that reference in the next episode. So I guess it's not unheard of that they'll make a Guardians of the Gahul joke. I mean, uh, it's not that it's unheard of. They certainly make enough weird jokes in this series. It's just that that's such a... It's a very strange Like goal, a yeah. niche thing, you know? Yeah. That's Because nobody remembers the Gardens of Gahul. <laughs> that's books for 12-year-olds and one bad movie. <laughs> yep. Oh, there's more than just the one book? Yeah, there, it was... I think there were like six of them. I don't oh, remember. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I guess it crashed. It like they were like, "Hey, we're gonna make this a cinematic universe or whatever," and then it's like, "No." <laughs> Just oh, I mean, it started. The first one was a trilogy, and I think there was a second trilogy. I don't remember how far it went. Oh, okay. Because nobody remembers the Guardians of right. Gahul. It's like a more severe case of like when they tried to do the uh, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe movies, when it's like they only got to like the third or the fourth one before they're like, "Yeah, no more." <laughs> yeah. I mean, it helps people stop going to watch them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So while they're waiting for the Echo Mouse to recover from its general trauma of living in the L House, they're going to complete in the the Gland Prix, which is a flying race for all the students of all the schools on the islands. The winner gets an interview with Boiling Isles News, which King wants to use to try and contact his dad. Uh, Ida sort of feigns happiness for this, and... He tries to bring up the subject that Luce mentioned earlier about how he wants to leap, but Ida cuts him off, saying that there is no time, and that they need to be practicing. <laughs> and then we cut to Ida in a bar, and I have questions, mm -hmm. because she is drinking the same kind of juice box of apple blood that Willow gave Gus yep. way back when. Mm -hmm. Like, don't worry, the same don't, package and hey, everything. look, don't worry about it. <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> Let's not worry about the fact that they might be serving alcohol to kids in the demon realm. It's okay. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, not to... It's too I have to bring it back to the Bad Wizard Boy books. But in the Bad Wizard Boy books, you're allowed to start drinking at 13, so... <laughs> Yeah, I guess you do, because as soon as they get to go to the village in the third book, so yeah, they can just go straight to the bar, huh? <laughs> mm-hmm. Hmm. So that's that's the only comparison I have here, is if their kids are just allowed to drink. <laughs> yeah. 
Who knows? I mean, they let the kids drink in Game of Thrones world all the time when they're like 12, but at the same time, that's also a hell world where you die some point before you turn 20 for the most pa- cases, so... Who knows? Maybe they're like, yeah. Possibly be because they're damaging children's brains by feeding them alcohol all the time. Don't worry about it. (laughs) (sighs) The tough shitty world where you die before you're like 16 for the most part in that world. So you gotta gotta drink and fuck before you die, even if it means you're like 13. Because hey, that's the thing that they don't really acknowledge a lot in the TV show. But hey, remember how like Danny is definitely only 13 in the books? (laughs) in the first one <laughs> yeah real rough and uh bad stuff <laughs> yeah it's it's yeah yep not my thing that's all i'm gonna say um yeah so Ida is talking about how she knows king is going to leave but she just doesn't want to hear him say the word because she's just really messed up to be left behind and the bartender kind of sympathizes, but he mentions that he never knows if she's going to pay her tab or not, so I'm not sure why he keeps serving her, but either way. Uh, a couple of guards grab a purple-haired witch, who I assume is trans because purple hair in the boiling aisles. You know how it works. <laughs> yeah, but, well, I guess we don't off. get any indication why we know their family's trans, but I kind of assume not. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I'm... I get vibes. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> um, yeah, so they drag this purple-haired witch off, saying that she has to join a coven. Um, apparently she is a wild witch, and Ida pursues them. They are not intimidated at all after, because she doesn't have magic anymore. So even when she punches one of them in the face, they really just don't care. <laughs> um, one of them... The big one, this one is one of the prison guards, the other one is like an emperor's coven guy, so I guess they're hanging out now. I, the, I mean, the prison guard... I, I've read it as like they always work together with stuff like this, like occasionally they get like the emperor's coven guards for like more like official work, it's like kind of like an oversight kind of role with the general guards kind of thing. That's probably true. I just I don't think we've seen them together before, so that's all. That's why I wanted to mention it. Yeah, I'm trying to remember if we saw the generic guards at the poli- straight up police precinct in episode six or not. I think it might have just been all Emperor's Coven guys. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so the uh, the prison guard draws a spell circle to fight Ida back, but someone plays a note of music and it fails. Uh, there are four people wearing bat masks and just the most unbelievably non-binary pirate vests you can imagine. <laughs> and they start playing, standing at the foot of the Emperor's statue, which levitates basically everything and gets the guards away from the purple-haired witch. The leader gives a speech that they seem to be embarrassed by about how Bellos is stripping people of their freedom and controlling your lives by forcing the coven system on them, which, you know, true. <laughs> But uh, there's actually something I want to note here. So there's cutaways in this scene. It'll show the musicians and then back to the guards and back to the musicians. The first two times we see the guards, the purple-haired witch is just kind of sitting on the ground, handcuffed. Mm -hmm. But the third time we go back to them, she's just gone. So (laughs) I guess she took off. Yeah, she probably got away. Yeah. But yeah, so the, uh, the bards force the guards to leave by controlling their limbs with magic. And the people really seem to like them. Just immediately, they have no love for the coven system, apparently. <laughs> yeah, how, how the hell does nobody at this point realize that that's rain? 
Like it's it's <laughs> it's the same voice, it's the same hair, it's the same instrument. I guess I mean <laughs> you probably could figure out like writ large, like in like the magic news broadcast, like they probably have shown rain with their violin before, so it's like it's like there's no reality in which people wouldn't figure out that it's the same person here. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much publicity Rain had before they got promoted. Mm. I mean, they did have like they did have their face and like shadow with a hood over their uh, head and everything when we have seen them before a few times. So maybe yeah, maybe, like, maybe they do episode, that. So they're kind of yeah. Maybe maybe Rain does that uh, intentionally when they can get away with it without having to get the spotlight on them. But at times, I mean, it's like I relate. I spent yeah fifteen years hiding from cameras deliberately yeah big, i mean big same yeah <laughs> i mean i know uh-huh, that yeah. i actually smile now if i take pictures of myself as opposed to before hmm, i wonder what happened <laughs> i wonder what changed in particular in the last 16 months hmm, can't say <laughs> yeah it's like i mean rain you do have a freaking jacket no like you do have a cloak that has a hood why are you not wearing that with the bat mask because then people can see at least your hair color <laughs> being the same <laughs> yeah yep but yeah, so this group of bards is called the Bards Against the Throne, or BATS. Um, I'm not thrilled by this acronym, but I guess it's fine. I mean, one of them uh, is a literal uh, bat demon, so it works. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It just, it's fine. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> um, so a bunch of guards show up wearing earmuffs, so... I'm not entirely sure what this means about bard magic, but apparently it just doesn't work if the audience can't hear it. But, like, specifically the audience, though, because the bards aren't wearing earmuffs, so I'm not sure. Like, from the things we've seen them do, I don't know why they don't just levitate stuff and throw it at the guards, you know? Yeah, or but, or, uh, or as we'll see, Rain is capable of summon fucking lightning bolts. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. I don't think you need to hear that in order for that to work. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know exactly what how this... I think it's. I think uh, it uh, might be more the, the bard magic that works on other people as opposed to just in general. Because, I mean, like, the one that we saw mostly was, like, them using it to, like, force march the other guys away. So it might be, like, yeah. if they can't hear magic that affects them that way, then it doesn't work on them. But, like, you can still just, like, blast them with lightning or, as uh, we also see Refrain does, where they can, like, swing their, uh, oh, dang, what's the thing called that you play the violin with? The, the bow? The bow, yeah. Like, how they can swing that and, like, make it, like, an energy wave. Like, you probably don't need to be able to hear that to be able to still have the effects of that hit you anyway. So it's like, it's, it's probably depending on like what kind of effect you're doing. Like if you're manipulating the person, they need to be able to hear it. But if you're just attacking them, they don't need to. Yeah, that's that's kind of the point I'm trying to get at here. Yeah. Because they could fight and instead they just sort of freeze up and panic. Well, there's only four and... of them. <laughs> Yes, but one of them is the best at bard magic that you can be. Yeah, but I mean, there's there's still like twenty guards around them. Yeah, I I understand also, what you're also saying. Like, I, I get, theory, I get like... the feeling that Rain is not out to like try and murder people if they can avoid it. <laughs> I mean, I say that, and then it's like, oh, at the very near the end of this episode, Rain definitely does try to commit two murders. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong there. <laughs> so I understand where you're coming from, but like, obviously, I would never 
advise that four people should fight 20 people in a real world situation but like again the best at magic you can possibly be and these guards are so inept that a 14 year old can beat them by hitting them with a stick <laughs> so <laughs> you know yeah it's i'm overthinking it that's my job uh yeah so um the tuba player just lets out an enormous blast of smoke and Ida gets them all out through the sewers. Um, she guides them away and when the smoke clears, they have disappeared. Uh, she asks as they're coming out of a storm drain to join up, saying that maybe she doesn't have magic, but she's still useful. And the leader disagrees, so Ida unmasks them as being Rain, head of the new, bar new head of the Bard Coven. So... This is a little weird just because of how they're acting, but just a moment ago they were being standoffish and trying to keep Ida out, but despite that, they suddenly introduce Ida as an old friend and say that she inspired them to start the bats, and... <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty funny because, like, Rain tries to act serious and then they're much like, you're, ma you're making fun of me in front of my crew, stop it. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> See, it's a, it's, a, we get a... it's very funny how they're trying to like act all tough and then immediately just cave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we get a flashback of a young Rain skipping a performance to hang out with Ida. And they say that being with her is more fun, but she tells them that they can't run from their fear forever. And I just... It's, it's truly unfortunate that Rain picked barding as their skill if they dislike performing this much. I just... <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe they just had no natural talent for any other magic, and they were kind of got the suck of it, where it's like, ah, oh, shit, here we go. I guess, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, um, young Ida tells Rain to get a jump on their fears and whack them in the face, and she plays a song that she calls Rain's Rhapsody on her quote-unquote mandolin. <laughs> um, Rain says that when they started teaching for the bards, this is... Uh, still in flashback, but in the future. They apparently became a teacher at some point. And when they did that, they were basically forced to strong-arm people into joining the coven, or disappear. So they were careful, and they got promoted, and found people like themselves on the inside, and put together a little rebel group. At the end of the flashback, uh, Rain does say that if Ida has nothing to lose, then they always need help. So... You know, death flag. Yeah, um, again, like, it, it's, I feel like most other shows, this would be a pretty big death flag for either Ida, Rain, or both of them. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, hey, uh, I mean, considering that we had to spend, like, half a year wondering what the hell happened to Rain after this episode to find out that they're at least yeah. not dead. Or, uh, <laughs> it, it's not good for them, but it, it could be way worse, I guess. <laughs> they could be in a magic coma, I guess, but at the same time, it's like, okay, well, at least it seems like it might be salvageable, but who, who can say? But, I mean, it still took a half year <laughs> to find out for sure. Yeah. So, back at the Owl House, King is distressed because he hasn't been able to talk to Ida about how he wants to leap, but she's busy and says she can't talk, and she just walks off with a big old cloak on and an armload of scrolls, though she does promise to be at the Grand Prix, so that's nice. Um, in the hideout, we see that these scrolls are maps of the entirety of Bonesboro and every nook, cranny, and hiding place in it. This is when Rain explains that the Emperor wants to have all the wild witches in Covens before the Day of Unity, but they don't know why. Uh, one of the bats suggests that he's trying to steal as much power as possible. I don't think we have any basis for that 
assumption, though. I mean, it might be related to the fact that only Nippers come and gets all kinds of magic, and he's trying to basically steal everybody else's access away from every kind of magic. Well, I, I, stealing and sealing are different things. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, this, um, the one who says this is Derwin, which we don't realize at the time, but we'll get their names in a moment. Yeah. So. I'm pretty sure I brought up Derwin a few episodes ago because I think their voice actor was in a different role as well. I think so, yes. Uh, so they have they they have information about a raid that's about to happen, catch, capturing wild witches. So they want to stop this because, you know, if there are more wild witches free, that interferes with the plan. Yeah. And Ida gives them a way to hit three different raids at once. Uh, during this planning session, we do get their names, Amber, Derwin, and Katya. Okay, yes, I was right. I I, I brought up Derwin in, in uh, our ep- Season 2, Episode 1 and 2, because he is also voiced by Zeno Robinson, who voices Hunter. So yeah, uh-huh. I already brought him up. <laughs> perfect, yes. Yep. So yeah, Ida gives them a perfect plan that gets everybody out, and she gets the prisoners outside the city to where Bellos doesn't have as much power. Yeah, it's very interesting phrasing that she brings up how Bellos has not that much control outside the cities, where it's like, you would think that that would be like a major oversight with him being like, we need to make sure that every witch is in the coven before the Day of Unity, which as we mm-hmm. as we now know at this point is roughly two months from the one this episode is. So, <laughs> it's like, if you don't have that much control outside the cities to make sure that happens, my guy, you're not doing your like whole job for the Day of Unity that well. Yeah. Well, we're going to get some really weird proportions for the islands in this episode, so mm. it's hard to say for sure yeah. how he's... But we'll talk about that when we get to it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, so the bats are thrilled that the plan worked, and that they, quote, actually helped people this time, which is not encouraging no, their little I, rebellion. I, I feel like they've been at this for like maybe like two or three weeks, and it's like they just have not succeeded at all whatsoever. Exactly, yeah. So Ida makes fun of Rain a little back in the hideout, asking how they ever became head of the Bard Coven with as much stage fright as they have. And they ask if she can do Bard spells. Uh, she kind of avoids the question, citing the curse, but then they make fun of her for her stage fright and summon her lute, or sorry, her quote-unquote mandolin, and mock her right back. <laughs> she does play a little bit, but the uh, burning, corrupting effect happens again, much more dramatically this time. Uh, yeah, she she makes a joke, saying that this song should be called Ida's Requiem instead of Rain's Rhapsody, and I don't understand why she says this or what the joke is, but it's one heck of a death flag. Yeah, I, I think it's just her like making fun at the fact that like she's playing Rain's Rhapsody, and it's like, oh, it doesn't, it's not as good and cheery as much if it's fucking up things as opposed to making a bunch of like nice little like bubble effects around anymore i guess yeah but yeah uh so we cut to the beginning of the Grand prix where everyone is gathering and i do want to make a quick note that one of the school's principals has a giraffe for a palisman yep which sure just does. struck me as odd mm-hmm. because of the banishing and everything yep don't worry about fine. it <laughs> maybe he is uh seen as a bit of a traitor amongst everybody else being like oh you want to you i mean also like gus himself in the previous episode said he wanted to uh reestablish like uh you know, outreach to the giraffe, so it's like, oh, maybe there are a few, like, witch, uh, witches that are seen as, like, outliers or deviants <laughs> being like, oh, you want to deal with those freaks? Uh, what's wrong with you? 
Yeah. Um, so Ida arrives, and King runs up. He says he really wants to talk to her, but she defers, saying that if it's that important, it should wait until after the race, which I don't think is accurate, but whatever. <laughs> She's avoiding responsibility. That's what yeah. matters. <laughs> you need to be a better foster mom to your kid and your other kid. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Gus and his dad show up to announce the event, uh, where Perry tells us that the contestants will fly down the right arm to the Cubital Valley to a checkpoint, and then turn around and come back. The winners will have their names etched on the cup of ephemeral glory. This is what I was talking about with the weird proportions, because like we get a map of the arm, right? Mm -hmm. And it is truly enormous. You can see rivers and stuff. Like, they're very specifically delineated. Yep. But the race appears to be, uh, I don't know, maybe a mile tops. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. It's it's hard to say for sure. <laughs> I think it's also, again, another thing that you're not supposed to think that much about, considering that this show is meant for 14-year-olds and not for people in their 30s as much. <laughs> Even though it seems like the people who are in their 30s are the biggest fan base of it, comparatively. <laughs> Considering how often well, naturally. We, yeah, considering how often we see uh, representation of our younger selves in it. <laughs> well, yeah, so uh, right after the race starts, Ida gets a call on what the subtitles call her crow phone, uh, which is Rain warning about another raid. So she heads off to help instead of staying to watch the race. Again, this is like classic '80s movie bad parenting right here. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> uh, the bats head off to a bridge in the woods and use magic to break it, hopefully impeding the raid. But uh, Amber, Derwin, and Katya get caught by uh, like an abomination trap that swirls up and grabs them. It's really gooey. At this point, uh, Eberwolf of the Beast Coven and Darius of Abominations are here. Uh, the whole thing was a trap for the bats. Um, I do want to note that uh, Eberwolf is not referred to in the third person in this episode. But the wiki does use they-them pronouns, so we've got two they-them characters in one episode. Yeah, <laughs> I never actually looked that up. I, I did look up who voices Eber, technically, but I did not look up anything about Eber in particular. Yeah. Hmm. So yes, this whole raid was a trap. They leaked the information so that they would get caught. Um, oh, I hear that get purring. A... <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, there yeah. she goes. <laughs> Uh, so we get a brief cutaway to the race, where Luce does some frankly Batman-esque driving to take the lead, but then we immediately cut back to the trap. So, like I said, the, just the quick cutaways again. Yeah, they're just showing um, what's going on there. She and King are like kind of more like the B-plot, but the very distant B-plot for this episode. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Darius tells Eberwolf to figure out which one of the three they've caught is the Turncloak. So they do already know for sure there's a traitor. But uh, they sniff all of these people and come up with a no. So Darius uses Abomination powers to teleport the bats to the Conformatorium, because I guess Abominations can teleport. Um, yeah, and then just sort of makes an announcement, asking Luce and Brain to come out and save them time. But when they don't... Um, Eberwolf uses a light spell, and they dive into the woods after them. So this is a little issue with my notes. Mm -hmm. um, I talk about how there are tracking uh, Ida 
via following footprints using this light spell. And I'm very confused in my notes about how this happened, since Ida and Rain are up a tree invisible, and I oh, it's, suggest it's, it's, that... It's because they... Oh, I guess in this case, Rain probably was the one who did it, but they enchanted Ida's shoes to make the tracks. Yes, that's absolutely what does happen. Um, we don't get that right here, though, mm -hmm. and I was very confused by it, especially because Ida doesn't really have any magic, and we don't hear any music playing. Yeah, but, so. but that's like when they jumped out of the tree, she says that because she's just sitting there, in, or standing there yeah, in, exactly. in the goop and muck with her socks and not shoes. <laughs> yeah, so in my notes, I do suggest that I don't understand how this happened unless they made Ida's shoes walk away somehow, and then... <laughs> yeah. No, they did. Yeah. Also, just worth pointing That's out. That's absolutely what they did. Just worth pointing out as well. It's pretty funny that like Darius is complaining about how that place is like dirty when it's like he is the head of the the grossest one of the of the uh, covens because he deals with goop all the time, and it's like, but <laughs> if you want to be clean, why did you decide on abominations? In which you literally specifically extra goop. sticky gooey monsters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so uh, while the other two are tracking this false trail, uh, Rain admits that Belos's plan is more dangerous than they had said before, because Belos is preparing a huge spell for the Day of Unity, something that needs all of the Coven Heads. If, if they can take out Eberwolf and Darius, then they can stop him. Um, maybe. I don't really understand this planning, because he could probably just promote new Coven Heads. <laughs> so... <laughs> Well, presumably uh, he would want to pick somebody who is, like, devoted to his cause, and he wouldn't just pick a random person. I mean, you say that, but Rain is a common head. Yeah, but at the same time, like, Rain has been very uh, cautious about, like, showing what they're really up to for all this time. And they've also, they've right. also, been, they've also been, the common for, they've been in the common for a long time, too, like, at least something like 20 years. So, like, they've been working their way up from the bottom, basically. I mean, you're absolutely right. I just don't understand why getting rid of these two stops the Day of Unity. I mean, if Bellows needs all the Coven heads, he's gonna promote somebody who's already in the Coven, you know? Yeah. It's not exactly hard. You just have to have a ceremony, apparently. Yeah, it seems like. Yeah, but, yeah so... So their plan is to kill these guys. <laughs> yep, just straight. I mean, they don't say kill, but they do use the phrase, the terminology of take them out. Just like, there's only one <laughs> yeah. way you can interpret that. You're going to ice these motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so Darius and Eberwolf catch up to Ida's walking shoes and uh, get mud kicked on them. <laughs> But uh, yeah, realizing that they've been tricked, they head back and they activate their Super Saiyan battle modes as tur Darius turns into a big abomination monster and Eberwolf just sprouts entirely too many fangs and claws and teeth and also summons a rat worm. <laughs> uh, down below the bridge, uh, Rain starts playing, uh, bathing the area in bardic magic before Ida joins in. And with the two of them playing together, it just dramatically amplifies the burn effect. It it starts like eating Darius. It's very yeah, and it, like they're killing this guy. Yeah, like they are hurting this guy a lot, and they like just straight up kill that rat or basically so they just like engulf it in the the weird like anti magic field or whatever. Yeah. Uh, after a moment, though, it also starts to affect Ida and Rain. 
and Drain is concerned at first, but Ida says that if this is what stops the Emperor, then they'll play on. And again, I have to emphasize, they'll just appoint new heads. <laughs> Look, they don't, but, they uh, don't know the this. Picture. <laughs> they don't know this in particular. <laughs> so the uh, the picture from earlier falls out of Ida's hair, and this is when Rain realizes that she has kids. <laughs> yep. I, I like that my note here is Ida and Namini, two queers who store very important keepsakes in areas of their person where they can easily be dropped. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe don't carry around like i mean in both cases it's a grom photo that includes loosen it and it's like maybe you should keep that someplace safer rather than just in your sleeve <laughs> or in your hair to be fair i mean usually things don't fall out of Edith's hair but obviously it does here for dramatic effect yeah she's got like hammer space going on normally yeah yeah, so um, when Rain realizes that Ida has kids, they stop playing, but Ida tries to keep going, saying that these aren't her kids, and they both have real families to get back to. Real, real dis- uh, disaffected stuff is what I'm going to say. Yeah. But uh, just as she starts to succumb to this corruption effect, uh, Rain banishes her loot. Sorry, quote-unquote mandolin. <laughs> And reminds her of what she said about punching fear in the face and not to give up, and that the kids need her more than she realizes. Uh, they promise to find another way to stop Bellows before getting grabbed by an abomination. Ida does manage to pull herself free, but Rain is taken, and they use their bard magic to fight Darius. It's dramatic, like sonic blades and waves of force and lightning. It's it's wild. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, Ida runs as Rain covers her escape. And she arrives at the Grand Prix just in time to see Luz get a neck-and-neck finish for fifth place. <laughs> yep, it's it's very funny how they're like, uh, Perry is like super into like this, to write this, uh, you know, part of the race is neck-and-neck for fifth and sixth place. <laughs> not, not even mm-hmm. on the podium. So it's like, I mean, it's like, well... I guess whatever. There's no consolation prize from what we see, so it's like it's it's very <laughs> funny. It's like he's just like like it's it's very much just him like kind of being a bit tongue in cheek about it. And he's like, and Luz takes it four fifth. <laughs> anyway, look at the actual winners. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But hey, congrats, Gavin, for winning. <laughs> Maybe your dad will notice you now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's totally Gavin from episode five. Everyone. Yeah. Yeah, so apparently Luce and King were winning until King got airsick and barfed, and then they crashed, so... <laughs> Fun. Uh, he's disappointed by all this, but Ida pulls out her scroll, because I guess... I didn't really think about it before, but since I'm seeing them both in the same episode, she sure does have a crow phone and the scroll thing. And she says that nobody watches crystal balls anymore and that streaming is where the real audience is wink wink yeah i, I have a note here about hmm, i wonder why this show doesn't do as well as it could have it couldn't possibly be because disney doesn't bother to upload the episodes in a timely manner on their fucking streaming service no definitely isn't <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um so king gives a real heartfelt message to his dad he introduces himself and asks if they can meet and talks about fun family stuff they can do and we see a bunch of various characters watching this stream 
I don't know how everyone knew Ida was streaming, but I guess it's on Witch Twitch. Yeah, they, um, they, they probably all follow uh, Ida's Witch, Twi- Witch Twitter, uh, Witch Twitch account. So it's like as soon as they went live, they got the <laughs> notification. And it's like, oh, let's see what's going on. Especially in Ivy's case, like she's definitely like just tuning in because she might see lose. <laughs> let's be real. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but one of the figures that we see watching is a hulking, skull-headed figure with enormous bat wings who bears a strange resemblance to King. I was a little confused before, a few episodes ago, when you mentioned that a lot of people thought that King would grow wings as he got older. Mm-hmm. I completely forgot that this guy had wings. Yeah, so. it's kind of the same. Like, I kind of forgot that too when I saw all that fan art, but then it's like, oh yeah, right, duh, this is where they got it from, the fact that this guy has wings. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so um, King also talks about how he lives with his favorite human and a cranky old witch, but how they're his family and Ida raised him and that's why he's legally changing his name to King Clawthorn. He's taking Ida's name because he's her kid. It's very cute. Uh, he's actually got all the paperwork ready already. He just needs his guardian's signature. <laughs> Dang, it's uh, a lot so... easier to get your name legally changed in the Boiling Alice than in real life, huh? <laughs> I think it's a lot easier if your parent signs off on it and you are a minor in general, yeah, yes. I, I guess this is also like more like adoption paper, so it's not like the usual method of having to like actually go through the courts and whatnot. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, Ida's had a heck of a day, and she gets very emotional and cries. And as we cut back to the broken bridge, uh, Eberwolf is watching the stream, so it, it's live. The crying and emotion is live. <laughs> Yeah, this is very uh, funny that Ember is just sitting there watching it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Darius is annoyed by this and asks Eberwolf to turn it down, but they refuse. And while the two of them are distracted, uh, Rain breaks free of being captured and tries to run, but is stopped by Kikimura, who has an Abomaton soldier with her. Darius is less than impressed, calling Alidor a hack, but it's apparently enough to keep Rain contained. Uh, Kikimura explains that Bellus was very disappointed to discover Rain was involved in the raids, and though they kind of expect to be petrified, I think this is their plan to to get petrified so Bellus doesn't have all the coven heads. But uh, she says they're not going to do that because finding a replacement would be too much of a hassle. That's a direct quote. <laughs> uh, Rain's coven mark glows and turns evil and grows, wrapping like evil tendrils all over them, sort of mummifying them with evil magic and as we fade out of on them being covered up she says that they're going to keep rain alive and well until the day of unity dun 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 and that's the episode pain yep it's uh it's such a fucking wild ride of emotions that episode <laughs> like yeah. uh, almost got me twice there show in that episode like the bits when uh Ida has to let rain go and also like at the end when she realizes that king wants to take her name when she's about to cry and it's like yeah almost got me twice but th- yep. didn't, uh, definitely will next week because god episode 10 always gets me <laughs> <laughs> oh yes no i mean this week is pain and gay uh-huh. and next week is just gay <laughs> But no, uh, this week is p- pain and then gay. The next, the following week is gay and then pain. <laughs> it's just reversed <laughs> around. That's fair. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I don't really have anything else about that episode. Like, we kind of talked about it, like, during the time, like, during it. Yeah. Anything that I had to come up with that I had still. Uh, oh, I I did remember, like, I mean, Hootie definitely does say, fear not, Maiden. I have my notes, fear not, Crab Maiden, because of episode 12. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I definitely like that fan art that we did of, like, the Elder Ring bit where Luce is playing the role of the Finger Maiden, where he's saying, I can play the role of Crab Maiden to Amity, who's wearing just, like, a witch hat. (laughs) Very good. Uh, yeah, I don't have anything else there, so I guess we'll get into the bigger episode, which, surprisingly, I have less notes about than episode 6, but I, I feel like it's, like, episode 6 with a lot of, like, having to like, actually, like, cover things one at a time as they were happening, whereas, like, it's more, like, because this episode is, like, funnily enough, structured the same way as the other episode 8, where it's those three different segments oh, yeah. that then merge into one, like, it's actually a little bit less in general, it feels, just because it's cutting between them. But yeah, <laughs> but yes. Uh, season two episode eight is knock knock knocking on Hootie's door, which uh, this straight starts with Hootie typing a letter to Lilith since he figured out how to use the typewriter from Sense and Sensitivity by pecking the keys because he can't use a pen. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I feel like he could just dictate. We know the typewriter sentient. Yeah, but I feel like at the same time, nobody in the house really wants to take the time for him to just write a letter where he's basically just calling himself so smart. <laughs> Cause that's almost, that's that's, a, that's the entire crux of this letter. It's him calling himself the smartest boy, basically, <laughs> like taking credit taking credit for everybody's like uh, like emotional uh, growth, basically. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. What I'm trying to say is, the typewriter is sentient and seems to have some control over its body. Oh right. Yeah. Like yeah. He could dictate to the typewriter. Yeah, because the typewriter also spoke to Luz in the episode. So yeah, like typewriter can speak. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's weird and they can't actually, like, type stuff itself, but they can still talk to people. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, he's basically just writing to gloat about the entire episode's events, because this beginning part actually takes place after the episode's happened, because we flash back to him having received a letter from Lilith, and her letter says that, like, even though he isn't as included in the adventures of Lucy and King, he does still take care of them by being the very house itself, and there's worth in that, so he's, like, happy about that. And then just immediately pops into the house to see how everyone's doing, and it's not really great for anybody at the moment. <laughs> uh, King is annoyed that his voice is cracking because, like, as Hootie jokes, he's uh, becoming—he's going from being a demon to a D man. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it sounds gross <laughs> coming from Hootie. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. He does this. Hootie does also mention that King is a teenager, which. No. Yeah, no, he's eight. He's eight. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe his species goes through puberty at a sooner rate than most people. But yeah, no, he's eight. He's not a. T- he's a. T- he's a child, not a teenager. But yeah. Uh, aside from that, uh, Ida's just become obsessed with researching whatever Bellus might be up to about the day uni. Just pretty much because of the previous episodes, events, where she's even like not really taking breaks, even to sleep much, and Luce is just like sitting there. And accidentally just let slip that she split between figuring out how to get the Echo Master to reveal the secrets of the portal door and also trying to figure out the best way to ask Amity out. So it's a very, <laughs> it's a very cute little thing of her just being like, if I, you know, if he's not comfortable, I'll never find my way into Amity's heart. I mean, <laughs> just runs off. <laughs> very funny. <laughs> just absolute disaster. It's absolute by disaster, Lucy Seda. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, who these internal monologue continues telling was it that he devised the plan of plans, and which gives us one of the two uh, best mimetic, uh, mimetic uh, hoodie faces in the episode of him like doing the smirk. <laughs> <laughs> and then after the intro, uh, we start with Kings, where he's just poring over various demonology books, trying to figure out more about himself to find out what he's going through. When we already established King gets puberty, you're going through puberty, my guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Hootie's like, well, he would never just take my, accept my help unless, and just straight up swallows him to outpel him, to just barf him up into the tower and find the house. <laughs> and yeah, he he goes through the whole thing of like being like, yeah, you're going through demon puberty, and I want to help you out to figure out what kind of demon you are. And like King actually is like just like he's like, well, I guess I have nothing to lose, so I might as well accept your help here, because he is the only demon in the house. <laughs> And then, yeah, Hootie briefly explains the history of demons, about how their ancestors arose from the decaying remains of the Titan, and that there are three main classifications of bug, biped, and beast, although there is a folder labeled hybrid that we see as well, but we don't really get into that. No, we don't even mention that folder. Yeah, That's only it, for the eagle-eyed Yeah, it's, it's just there as a little, like, wink and nod if you notice it. But yeah, they start with testing to see if King is a bug demon, since Hootie says he's an expert because he's a kind of bug himself. And he explains that bugs mostly communicate through dance, which is amusing because we've never seen Hootie dance, so <laughs> I don't know what he's on about. <laughs> but yeah, King tries, and he accidentally just ends up insulting Hootie's mom when he tries to do the same, so they just rule that option out. They instead next move on to bipeds, which Hootie explains can cast magic just like witches, and to test this, Hootie apparently is friends with Tiny Nose because she's just hanging out there under a box <laughs> playing a, basically a magic version of the Switch. <laughs> <laughs> and says that they'll have a little, like, mock duel to see if he can, like, cast magic. But she just fully annihilates him, doesn't even give him a second to react. And just, they're like, well, I guess... Hmm. I was just going to say that I want to note, um, when we're looking at the bipeds, Hootie does have a paint or a picture, or a poster, whatever you want to call it, of Tibbles on the wall. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that just struck me as odd, because I don't think we've ever seen Tibbles do any actual magic. He just tries to poison people uh he did do some magic in episode six when he's introduced because he did summon like chains around Ida to restrain her when her curse flared up and prevent her from doing magic i so he did, did not he, recall that yeah but all right he does have some but yeah I, I assume it's like uh biped demons don't have the same array or like uh as powerful as witches but yeah they at least have some but yeah, he, uh, they're basically like, well, I guess you're also not a biped, because even bugs have some magic, and you have nothing, it seems like, my guy. So they instead move on to the final test for seeing if he's a beast demon, which can, they can only apparently test with a blood test, which Tiny Nose aids again, saying that she graduated from medical school, <laughs> which I don't believe <laughs> for a second. <laughs> With the size of the fucking vial they have, the, the syringe they have to take the blood sample, it's like, I don't think you actually went to, like, medical school here. <laughs> but yeah, they uh, tried to do the test and everything, but the results are inconclusive, and Hootie has a whole, like, hey, you are you, and we appreciate for you for who you are kind of speech, which has some good intentions, but King's just disappointed because he... He, do, he tells Hootie, you don't need to tell me to love myself, I really do. I just want to find out where I'm from and what I'll look like when I'm older and everything. And try to figure out this stuff. And he's a little pissed and, like, basically just, like, admits that he's got no responses to the video nor wanted posters. Which I guess he put up sometime between episodes 7 and 8 because we don't see him put those up at all. But 
Yeah, but King of sees mad at his dad for being absent, and when he like just screams about how his dad left him alone, he at that point releases some kind of sonic energy wave from his shout, and like Hootie just gets sad and leaves to go help Eden instead. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, in, in, based on his like letter narration, he's like, well, I'm a little bit afraid about the Arrowleaf showing up if Ida continues to be a workaholic. So, he somehow manages to bake cookies that are shaped like him. I don't know how he does this, considering that he can't use a pen. How does he, how is he able to cook? I, can he, does he have control over, like, the cutlery and the pots and pans because they're inside of him? So Are they part of the house or something? I don't know. There's too many questions and horrors to ask about Hootie. <laughs> yeah, it's... Like, I think I could accept if he could control the stove, because yeah. as horrible as it is to think about, the, the, like, the oven being one of his organs makes sense. Yeah, I mean, like, when when we see in the basement, like, there's, like, a radiator or something there that straight up has, like, a rib cage over it, so it's like, I guess that's part yeah. of him. But yeah, we never see if, like the stove necessarily has like organic parts to it or bones, though. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. It's it's yeah. Again, it's a thing we're overanalyzing that we should not be because it just makes more questions. But yeah, uh, Ida finds the cookies and just starts to eat them, and immediately finds out they're laser sleeping nettles, which we saw from Hunter Palisman. And, like, she thinks she's talking to Hootie and, like, complains about how, like, they not only just put you to sleep, they also hide in your dreams, but then she realizes that it's just part of the dream that she's talking to. Like, she's already fallen asleep because the, the Hootie, in air quotes, just falls over. It's like a, like a bit of wind that just is just sitting there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but she decides to at least take that opportunity to try to confront the Arrowleaf at the decades of trauma and how, like, it's the reason that she doesn't have any magic left. And she immediately just, like, gets snapped to a memory of herself as a teenager, which we do know is, like, sometime after she got the curse. So that's, like, basically the yeah. same age as when we saw that flashback in uh, Young Little Souls. And we see that her dad, Del, accidentally startled the Owl Beast with a party popper because he's like, I'm going to be away for a bit, but I'm leaving in style. And yeah, no, please don't do that. You know that there's an owl monster hiding inside your kid. You know you shouldn't have bright lights around her. But yeah, it causes... Yeah, it's more than a party popper. It's like indoor fireworks. Yeah, it's, it's like some kind of magic party popper. But yeah, it <laughs> uh, triggers the transformation because of the bright light and it... Attacks his left eye and arm. We don't really get it shown that his arm gets fucked up from it, too, because, like, it's not something we see until episode 12 when he shows up again and all, but it's, mm -hmm. like, it really only looked like it was his eye, but, yeah, apparently she also really hurt his arm, too, in the process. But, yeah. Uh, well, I think we do see some scratches on his hands, but it just doesn't look that serious yeah, compared to the eye blood, yeah, like, because there's a lot of eye blood. Yeah, I mean, he's straight up, like, holding his hand over his eye. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, that's definitely been gouged out. Like, it, I guess this is not translated as well in this little shot we have. Because at the same time, they probably shouldn't linger on a guy having some, like, physical trauma happen to him in a kid's show to really, like, like linger on it. I mean, you're absolutely right, but I did not expect as much as we got, considering the actual amount of blood that there is. Yeah, it's like way more severe in reality. But yeah. Exactly, uh, yeah. Yeah, after that, she flashes to another memory of when she and Rain broke up because of her inability to be open to them about the curse and ask for help. 
and Rain just fully says during that point that they're going to join the Bard Coven and they can't do this anymore. And currently, Ida's there trying to, like, shake her past self and tell her to stop pushing people away and let them help. But then, like, she immediately just cuts to, like, just looking at the arrow beast itself, blames it full of problems and tries to attack it, but accidentally, like, smacks herself into its memory instead of the day when it was captured by somebody in a sun and moon cloak that we know is called the Collector from the credits, and also, as we know, again, from episode 12 in particular. And <laughs> that person forcibly turned the Alvis into the scroll that Lilith would one day find. And also, in that sequence, <laughs> we see that there's the remains of a different-looking titan, which is the one that looks a bit like a horse that I brought up back in Really Small Problems because of the prize that looks a bit like a horse skull that talks about how it's yeah. seen civilizations rise and fall, which I don't know if that's going to have any relevance, but hey, maybe. <laughs> people people <laughs> theorize that, if we, we can say it. But yeah, uh, da, da, da. we then cut to, like, either the Albies, like, stuck on a beach connected by the, like, the red string of fate that's, like, symbolized that in Japanese and Chinese folklore in particular. And the Albies just keeps trying to fly away from her, but fails and keeps falling into the ocean. And after it, like, gives up and, walk, like, just walks up on shore, Ida tries to comfort it, realizing that they're, like, both been stuck with each other and that they've both been struggling and suffering. And that they can't really move on unless they try and work together for a change. And mm -hmm. her, like, doing that, like, makes her dream actually, like, not be as shitty. It's, like, actually kind of really sad that she's like, wow, I never had a dream this pretty before. And it's like, oh, no. This, you've had a rough 30 decades, Anita. This is, like, the best-looking dream you've ever had during this time. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, that sense of understanding with the Alvis gives her a new transformation where she's just taking on a hot harp harpy form with her in full control instead of the usual Owl Beast form. And either, uh, not either, uh, Hootie panics thinking he's made things worse and Ida tries to stop him, but she gets distracted by a mirror and looking at herself saying that it's the hot look. <laughs> Which, yeah, it is. Let's admit it. <laughs> harpy Ida is hot. I'm glad people like Harpy Ida. <laughs> I am not, um, I am extremely ace, so I do not see anyone or anything as being hot, and so while right. I appreciate that people like her, okay. it's yeah. weird to me that that's, like, the number one thing. <laughs> Fair. I mean, yeah, I mean... But I was... get that that's because I see things differently, but, yeah. like, you like, know. Yeah, I'm, I'm a different flavor of ace, where it's like, I, I'm not into that stuff, but I can still acknowledge when somebody's hot, and I will eat as hot, in my case. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, after that, we then cut the loose, where basically we just start, like, in progress of where she left off, with her, like, running from the room to her to, to her bedroom, and she's just, like, uh, trying to, like, interrogate the mouse, being like, if you don't tell me about the door, can you at least uh, have some advice on how to ask out an, air quote, in, I quote, cotton candy-haired goddess, which, I, I, I love that term for Amity, it's, like, something that's just persisted in the fandom for, like, the last half a year ever since. <laughs> Because it's like, it's, it's such a goofy term for her to use of her, but also at the same time, it just shows how Smitten loses. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hootie's narration is claiming that he has a perfect read on the situation that she's in, when in reality, he's just hanging out behind her, <laughs> just in the room, just being a bit of a weirdo, <laughs> just watching her. 
and <laughs> he goes and heads off to do something while Luce is talking to herself about how Amity is smart, cool, and classy, so she thinks that, like, asking her should be, it again, I wrote down in, in quotes, breathtaking, emotional, and real, because, like, she mentions how people at her old school thought she was cheesy, which definitely does hint that the fact that Luce was definitely made fun of for being herself and possibly even rejected by someone else at one point because of being yeah. just a goofball. Uh, Hootie then takes that opportunity to knock on the door and leaves a poem about how Luce will only find love when she's in the ground. P.S. I mean the basement. <laughs> so it's a very <laughs> funny, morbid like little poem he wrote to the point where he actually has to have on like, the other side of the card. P.S. I mean the basement. <laughs> it's very funny where Luce is like, yeah... <laughs> But yeah, she goes to check out what he's got planned, even though she claims she doesn't have time to deal with his shit. And, like, she finds another owl pellet that contains Amity in it, because Hootie just straight up fucking kidnapped her. Which, have you Hootie seen... is a yep. nightmare in every yep. aspect of yep. his existence. <laughs> have, have you seen all, like, the various, like, fan comics people have made of, like, when he shows up at Blight Manor to take Amity kind of deal? I have not. There's so many of them where it's like, she's just like hanging on the couch next to Ed and M and Hootie just shows up and they're like, give us back our sister. And he's like, but I'll make Lumity canon. And they're like, yeah, understandable. Have a good day. <laughs> kind of deal. <laughs> like very much a lot of them where they're just hanging out and like he just swoops in, grabs her and nobody even notices kind of deal. <laughs> so it's all very funny. People had a lot of fun <laughs> with trying to figure out how Hootie managed to pull that off and not get himself destroyed by the other flights. <laughs> I realize this is a weird thing to say. But it is just very strange to me to hear Amity say Hootie's name. I know they're both characters in the same show, but just for some reason, it's not a thing that occurs to me that would ever happen. It, it's just... yeah, I, guess I think she... this might be the first time it happens. It's just weird. Yeah, I don't think she had called him by his name till now, because like, the only time he really like met her was when she was calling him a weird bird tube. So yeah, exactly, only... yeah. Yeah, this might be the first time she used Hootie's name. It's kind of like how... like. I think it was only up until, like, one of the recent episodes we covered where Lilith actually referred to Luce by her name, because all the other times she always uses, like, derogatory terms like human or, or like, Ida's pet or just calls her teacher. So, yeah. like, yeah, like, it took her a while, too. But, yeah, it's just one of those things that you don't notice until, like, she comes up. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, Luce tries to apologize to her about what Hootie did, but she kind of just presses off as a thing how Stevens do when they get to be a thousand, a couple thousand years old, I guess. <clears throat> And Amity tries to steer the conversation towards forgetting about the kiss, because they haven't actually met each other face-to-face since then. And, like, you know, Luz tries to be like, oh, all I care about is getting you out of our weird basement, but they step on a trap door that Hootie has in the fucking basement for some reason. <laughs> that just drops the two of them <laughs> onto a pile of lovey-dovey pillows that one of them just winks at Luz. <laughs> and she just blows it up a fire just glyph. terrifying implications for the rest of the furniture in the owl house. Yep. Is it all Cynthia, or is it all part of Hootie? When when Luce destroys the pillow here for fire glyph, is she hurting Hootie? <laughs> the world may never know. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, they uh, she finds another poem from Hootie about how to get back out of the basement. They have to go through the tunnel of love that Hootie made <laughs> in the basement just for them. <laughs> Which again, considering that this is like not that long a time between when Hootie. Like, when, when, by the time, like, between when Luz left the living room with the Echo Mouse to this, Hootie works fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
I mean, I guess it helps when you can effortlessly restructure your internal systems. Yeah, I guess. I mean, there is straight up water in there for the tunnel up and everything. And even like the boat that he has there is modeled off of the uh, the ice sculptor of, that Lilith had made of him back in episode two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very funny that that came up where it's like the same design, but it's like not uh, ice at this point anymore. <laughs> But yeah, uh, Luce immediately panics because she thinks that Amity will think that she's a loser because of all the cutesy stuff, but as they just go along the tunnel of uh, as Amity sees more and more signs that Hootie had put up it, that reference how Luce thinks that she's smart, cool, and classy, Amity just is a plushy, smiley mess, and it shows that she's having a good time. She's into this cutesy shit. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, Luce then sees an Amity B mine sign with beads on it and immediately just smashes it because she, again, like, doesn't think that Amity will think she's, like, cool or anything if she sees the goofy stuff. And then uses an antenna from it to just start swatting a bunch of love notes that are fired out towards them by a bunch of, like, demon serum <laughs> things. <laughs> and she's just... Entirely too many arrows yeah, for a small love. Many, yeah. <laughs> and she's just like apologizing the entire time about how this is not how this is supposed to be happening, which sends entirely the wrong message to Amity. <laughs> and at that point, Luce goes and blows up a bunch of the animatronics with her various glyphs to just blow them the fuck up and melt their faces off and stuff. <laughs> which again, sends the wrong message to Amity entirely, because, like, Luce at some point says that this was a whole nightmare and Amity sort of agrees and starts to leave the tunnel itself. And Luce tries to stop her by saying that the tunnel was all Hootie's stupid idea, which Amity sadly replies that the idea of the dating is stupid, isn't it? While crying a bit, which makes Luce panic even more than anything else so far, but not as much as Hootie, because Hootie is just distraught over the fact that he can't help anyone. And starts to like try to try to rip himself out of the door, eventually like doing exactly what he did in Echoes of the Past, just remove him from it, thinking that he's like a bad influence on the house. <laughs> and from inside of all the shaking and stuff going on from Hootie's chaos, uh Ida sees King start to fall off the tower. That I guess he's still just hanging out on after Hootie left. But she... Yeah, it's hard to tell how long it's been. I thought it had it's, been a little while, yeah, it's, but it's, clearly it's... it's a bit of a weird time frame, because like I said, like, Hootie shows up to, like, help Luce out, like, right after she left the living room, but he had to have already at this point helped King and Ida out, so I... it's a bit of a weird, like, how's the time frame working in this episode at times like that? Who knows? <laughs> but yeah, uh... Yeah, uh, Ida flies out and catches him before he can fall, and the two of them spot Luce and Amity come out of the basement door, where, like, they're about to have a bit of the tower fall on them and kill them, but King saves them by using his shout powers to break it up in time. And then the four of them reconvene and try to, like, calm Hootie down, but with King and Ida just saying that they both benefited from his help, because, like, he King can destroy stuff with his voice powers, and Ida's a uh, hot harpy par- person now. <laughs> But Hootie's still too destroyed over his failure to help Luce at all, and that they still just keep going on. So Ida and King ask her what Hootie was trying to do to help them, at which point, like, Luce, of course, awkwardly looks over his shoulder at Amity and just, like, walks over to them and, like, tries to beckon him closer to admit what's going on about her crush with Amity. And, <laughs> hey, cool, cool mommy to being like, oh, wow, do you wanna? <laughs> like, not actually, like, really, like, dwelling on it much or anything, just being like, yeah, let's go for it, kid. Kind of deal, <laughs> yeah. It, it's it's a very nice moment when like she's like, yeah, you know, I can try to like pull Hootie away. It won't be perfect, but does it really need to be? And it's like, yeah, that's it. Doesn't really need to be. That's the whole purpose of it. It's like this has to be genuine, kind of deal. 
But yeah, they fly off and just grab Hootie and drag him away for a bit <laughs> to give Luther a chance. <laughs> and uh, Luther tries to explain that she wanted to ask Amity something in the best way, but thought she was just too cool for the tunnel of love and all. And that's why she overreacted. And Amity just fully admits that she's not actually as cool as Luther thinks, because as we, the audience, know, Amity Blight is also a massive fucking dork. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then Lou says the absolute, like, adorable little line of, and I have it in quotes here, everything is so crazy right now, and I have no idea what my future holds, but it'd be so cool if you were in it, which, that is, that is a very smooth line for a 14-year-old to say. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, she demonstrates that she does have to be her usual earnest and dorky self, and when she's trying to, like, bring herself up the courage to actually say the words, Abney instead can't restrain herself and ask her out first. But then when she sees that Luce was so ready, she, like, tells her to go ahead and try to redo it. So Luce asks her instead, and Amity, of course, says yes. And the two just, like, don't know what to do next, so they just awkwardly stand there and hold hands and admit that it's still really <laughs> scary. Which, yeah, they're 14. It would make sense that they would do that. And then, yeah, uh, Hootie's letter to Lilith comes to an end with him talking about the progress everybody's made, about King learning more about his shot powers, Ida having learned to accept the Owl Beast. And how Amity is not only referred to officially for the first time here as Luce's GF, which they will say multiple times next episode, at length a lot, but is also helping <laughs> to figure out how to get the Echo Mouse to play journal entries so they can figure out how to make the portal door. And then, of course, Hootie <laughs> ends with saying that they're adorable together and deserve all the happiness, which is just the fan base talking at this point. <laughs> yeah. I do want to, not to interrupt the happy gay moment, but there is an image that I noticed when they were looking at the things the Echo Mouse was projecting. Mm -hmm. And it does specifically show a, a staff with a spider palisman on it, it as being does, part yeah. of the portal door. Yeah, yeah, it does show so. a staff. Just curious yeah. about that. There's, is it, it, it kind of shows the door and then breaks away into schematics. And then those schematics break away into the staff, which makes me feel like it's of the thing i don't know yeah we can't really say because like they didn't use one for the prototype door in episode 10 but mm, who knows but i yeah. mean we also do see like if you like freeze frame during the bits with the door there is a bit where like the diary does speculate on what's between the realms which hey we find out in two episodes time what's between the realms so don't worry about that <laughs> we'll get there quickly but yeah uh at the end hootie goes to mail the letter at the mailbox where the doors to send it to Lilith, but he's met with the same figure we saw in the previous episode that looks like a grown-up king who leaves a letter for King. And I like that he actually uses, can you deliver this to King Clawthorn? Like, he's not just talking yeah. about, can you deliver this to the kid or whatever. He's actually using his chosen name and all. And <laughs> leaves it with Hootie and then walks away. And Hootie acts like he's, like, enthralled with it, but he's actually enthralled by the bug deadline on it and eats the letter because of the bug and hopes that it was just junk mail. <laughs> <laughs> Again, kind of weird that I didn't have as many notes on it compared to the previous episode, but it's, it's still a massive fucking episode, which is like, holy shit, this was the episode everybody thought was going to be the fucking, like, filler episode, because it's one <laughs> about Hootie with Hootie's name in the title, and then very much no, very much the opposite. <laughs> Hootie is... A nightmare. An, an enigmatic <laughs> nightmare, yes. <laughs> But I guess he can have an episode sometimes as a treat. Yeah. <laughs> Foodie can help a lot of characters out with their uh, emotional problems and also get to uh, Sapphic Witches together as a treat. 
<laughs> Which, I mean, hey, it's like part of my notes here is like, I like the fact that Porter Hootie it shows up a lot in season 2B from what we saw from that one promo. Because it's like, it almost seems like it's like in recognition of what he does in this episode that they're like, okay, yeah, let's actually include Hootie more. Because like, he, he showed up in uh, Follies at the Coven Day Parade helping out with the float and everything. We know he shows up when Luz and King go to wherever that area is when to meet like more of king's species so it's like hootie does seem like he's actually being included more which is a nice little like acknowledgement that he feels like he was left out a little bit of time yeah yeah another thing i have in the notes why do they have a mailbox we have seen hootie have mail stuff <laughs> inside his mouth and bark it up implying that he's been the mailbox this whole time maybe they got a mailbox since he was tired of doing that of having to barf up mail every day but it's like He's an owl. He barfs up <laughs> stuff all the time because that's how owls get owl pellets out of them to barf up bones and stuff. So I don't <laughs> I don't know why they have a mailbox. I only realized it at the end of the episode. It's like, wait a sec, who these had mail in him before, like twice. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, and we also had skipped over it back when we were covering episode four. But this episode does kind of confirm what people suspected because like. When Lilith mentions their dad and Ida kind of like looks away, people are like, oh, she probably doesn't have a good relationship with her dad because of some reason. And we do actually get confirmation that it's because she did gouge out his eye by accident. Which, again, as we'll see again in a few episodes time, is accurate. That is entirely the reason. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, she was only like, what? Uh... Well, we know that Lilith is like two, roughly two years old in her... And if she was being scattered by the Emperor's Covenant, she had to be at least 16, if not 18, maybe 17 at that point. So, like, either was, like, 15 or so when she got the curse. So she was maybe, like, yeah. 16 at most when she did that to her dad. So, yeah, it's been a long time, like, two and a half decades, roughly, <laughs> since then. <laughs> and it's like, geez, yeah, that's that's going to mess up a kid, as we see a lot with Ida. <laughs> but, yeah. Oh, hey, also, speaking of, remember how I said that we were probably not going to have a whole lot of trivia in Season 2 because it's like, oh, we met most uh -oh. of the characters uh -oh. already, and also <laughs> they, with their, like, shortened uh, our show runtime, there's probably not as many jokes and stuff. But no, I have, like, a whole page of tri trivia section here today. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, because, again, like, there's, like, like, seven characters I have in here, or six or so, something like that. It's ridiculous. <laughs> the amount of characters I've written on here, so let's get into it. Unless you have anything else about that episode. Uh, no, I think we pretty much covered it. Yeah. We did a great job. Yep. There's just so much. <laughs> I mean, a lot happens in that episode, yeah. I, I, I kind of went through it kind of quickly, because I'm like, a lot of my synopses are like three pages long, and I just can't. With that, I talk too much as enough as is. So I definitely had to yeah. like cut around some stuff. But yeah, it's, it's a fucking meaty episode. But yeah, getting into our trivia bit. Uh, of course, let's highlight the non-binary character, because we're non-binary and it's Trans Day of uh, Visibility. Uh, Rain Whispers is voiced by Avi Roque. Roque? I, I remember hearing how their last name is said, but I forget. I apologize, Avi. But yeah, they don't really have any other credits, but hey, it's worth pointing them out first, because they are a major character. And also, like I said, Trans Day of Visibility, and they also non-binary, and it's very great rep. So, props to them for being a non-binary person that gets to voice a non-binary character in a kid's show. Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yes, uh, Darius is voiced by Keston John, who voiced Hordak in She-Ra. 
and apparently will have a role in like the next four Avatar films that definitely will never be released. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! They still, they, I saw that and it's like, oh, Avatar five or six or whatever it was will be out in twenty twenty eight, and it's like, no, it won't. <laughs> you are lying to yourselves. <laughs> Just oh. fucking stop. <laughs> That's the thing is, so not to derail into Avatar too much, but. Cameron is making four movies at the same time. It's oh, not okay. going to be like sequential movie making. Right. So at some point, like even if Avatar two doesn't make money, you've still got all these movies that you already paid for. Oh, so why boy. not release them? You know, this really sounds like the whole. Oh yeah, they're totally going to do Fantastic Beats four and five. No, they fucking aren't. <laughs> Those movies have been a fucking money sink, and nobody likes them. <laughs> okay. Yes, that's true. But the difference is they haven't already made Fantastic Beasts. True, yeah. And also, like, the major other difference is the fact that the creator of Avatar doesn't keep making a complete and total fucking nightmare of themselves on social media all the time. Yeah, James just wants to get in more submarines. That's his whole thing. Yeah. Yes, continuing on, uh, Amber and Eberwolf are both voiced by Carrie Walgreen, who, funnily enough, also voiced a character named Rain, because she played Rain Sage from Tales of Symphonia, and was mm-hmm. also the voice of Ash in Final Fantasy XII, Aranea Highwind from Final Fantasy XV, Haruko Haruhara from a uh, credit I did not put down here. <laughs> Oops. Uh, oh, I think it was Fully Cooly. I think it was the original Fully Cooly, actually. I think it's one I was thinking of there. I remember seeing somebody's credit for that. And she was also the English voice of Saya Otonashi from Blood Plus, which I remember watching a lot as a kid for some reason. It's not very good, but I remember it's like, oh, it's a lot of like quasi-vampire stuff. So I watched it as a kid. Yeah, the person that might be King's dad, might be a messenger, we're not really sure, is voiced by Kevin Michael Richardson, who has... Well, that yeah, one's... <laughs> yeah, he has a ton of credits. He is also the voice of the Demon Hunter slash Animal Control Leader guy. Have we seen a few times? And we'll see again yeah. in episode 14 of, of all things, I think. Uh, he is also the voice of Captain Gantu in the Lady and Sith series, the Armageddroid mm-hmm. and Vladimir in My Life as a Teenage Robot, which I did not know there was a thing called the, uh, the Armageddroid, which makes me want to watch My Life as a Teenage <laughs> Robot more. He is also the voice of... I forget who Tyrio is, but there's apparently a character named Tyrio in Last Year Bender, and also voiced the Lion Turtle and the Big Bad Hippo in the same series. He is also the voice of Shredder in the 2012-2017 through 2017 Ninja Turtles show. He is Romulus in Star vs. the Force of Evil, Tartarus in Halo 2, Heihachi in just Soul Calibur 2, no other Soul Calibur games, just that one. And a role that is, particularly for me, because this is not a good thing, but I watched it too many times... He is the voice of Samuel Irons in the very bad Dead Space movie, Downfall, which takes place right before they rented Dead Space <laughs> 1. <laughs> Did not remember it until I thought of it. It's like, oh yeah, he was that guy. That guy definitely died. <laughs> then again, it's... like every character from Dead Space, D- Downfall felt, uh, died at some point. <laughs> I, um... It's the boogeyman for me. He He's the voice of the yeah. boogeyman in the original Powerpuff Girls series. Oh, okay. And that's... I mean, oh, when he always, yeah, when, when he when he was introduced, I definitely like caught on. Like, oh, that's Gantu because I watched a lot of Lilo and Stitch when I was a kid. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. I got what you're saying. I just yeah. There's a thing a that sometimes happens with voice actors when their voice is just that distinctive, and so to me, 
every time I hear him show up, it's oh, the boogeyman is doing this voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of like whenever you hear Keith David, which is like still really weird that they got Keith David to voice Andreas in Amphibia. <laughs> it's like holy yeah. shit, they got the guy who fucking played uh, Anderson from Mass Effect for this. <laughs> yeah, sure, okay, <laughs> yeah. Some people have very distinct voices, and other people you can like not really notice them unless you really listen closely. I mean, is that um, his most Keith David's most valuable or recognizable role? Because I always think of Saints Row Four, where Keith David is just in there as your oh, vice president. Oh, right. Yeah. I, here's the thing: I never played any of the Saints Row games, so, but like, yeah, I kind of forgot that. But yeah, he is straight up just Keith David as Keith David, the vice president. <laughs> right. Forgot. Yeah, he sure is. Yep. <laughs> Yep, continuing on, uh, the Collector, and also the uh, Emperor's Coven guard captain that we'll meet next episode, who hangs around Kikimura and is followed by first shit, are both voiced by Frida Wolf, who is also having played Mira in the 2013 reboot of Killer Instinct. I never played it, but people like that Killer Instinct reboot. She is also the voice of Sarah Ryder in Mass Effect Andromeda. That's one for you, I feel, right? <laughs> I never played Andromeda. <laughs> yeah. You play a lot of that? Uh, I did. Also... I love Andromeda. I don't know if I would recognize Sarah Ryder's voice if I yeah, heard fair. She kind of has generic woman voice. <laughs> a little yeah. bit, yeah. But yeah, uh, Frida Wolf also voiced Tressa in Octopath Traveler, which made me go like, oh yeah, I can kind of see it now. Yeah, now that I remember what Tressa sounded like in that game. And also played Valeria in Boyfriend Dungeon. <laughs> kind of fun. Yeah, she doesn't have yeah. much uh, like TV show credits. It was mostly video games there. But yeah, no, pretty neat. I can't, I mean, yeah. Yep. Valeria Boyfriend Dungeon is best girl. <laughs> Which, admittedly, Boyfriend Dungeon, only girl, but... Yeah, yeah kind of. <laughs> yeah, the last uh, voice cast we have here, I debated whether I should bring up Del now or in two episodes of time, but I was like, I need to introduce now, I'll bring him up now. But he is voiced by Peter Gallagher, who kind of also doesn't have many, like, cartoon or TV show roles. Like, he has a lot of, like... <laughs> Like, he he's, he plays, like, uh, Fitzwilliam Darcy in the eight, 1985 to 1986 run of Pride and Prejudice, and also Danny Zuko in the 1978 run of Grease. His only other, like, few, like, TV roles I noticed are he played Sandy Cohen on The O.C. and William Dodds in Law and Order SVU. <laughs> so, like, not, not um, a, very different compared to what we usually would expect from the voice actors of the show. <laughs> now, I don't want to, like, disagree, but I'm seeing kind of a lot of credits for him on tv well a lot of them i didn't recognize immediately that's why i didn't put them that's fair, <laughs> i just yeah. i just found it funny that he was on the oc because my sister loved that show and i was like this doesn't seem like an interesting show at all <laughs> <laughs> but yeah uh continuing on we already mentioned the guardians of gahul and neon genesis evangelion references so instead we'll cut to the next one i have here of the scene when king gets a little angry at hootie and kind of points at him is a straight reference to the meme of the woman screaming at the cat just full on <laughs> mentioned by the staff as well, being like, "Yeah, we we just took from that and just rolled over it to just have King <laughs> talking to the cat." Yeah. Yep. Uh, and also, uh, just a little note here I'd like. Uh, remember, like we talked about Luce's like closet room a bit here, where it used to just be like a storage space with not a whole lot of like hominess to it. But like over the last <laughs> twenty-seven episodes of her being there, she's definitely like made it, like, an actual, like, home for herself, because she has, like, an Azura poster, the usual, like, strand of lights that is standard issue for the whole queer people, but I don't have one, so I guess I need to get the strand of lights to put in my room. <laughs> she has a bunch of books I mean, everywhere. I don't have that either, so... Yeah, that's true. 
yeah, it's like it's just neat to like just see like oh yeah, if you don't look for her closely because like you don't see Lucy's room all that often, it's definitely like over the course of the series she actually just makes it more like her own little personal space. It's just neat to see. It's cute. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I remember bringing this up at one point, but yeah, like there's two points when Lucy and Abigail are in the basement where you can see the calamity box from Amphibia. It's most noticeable right before they fall into the trap door because it's on a shelf near them on the right hand side. And obviously the other thing everybody knows is like they always hide a bunch of like, pride flags around and like they hid the lesbian and bi ones and like the little sparkles around them when they are saved by the rock. It's just a nice yeah. little thing to mention. Uh, da, da, da. And yes, of course, uh, the biggest thing here that I have is part of the trivia. The moment when they ask each other out became a medic for two different reasons. The first being Disney uploaded a clip of the like moment when they like asked each other out, which they had named the video Lucidity and not Lumity before renaming it. When they were like, <laughs> what the fuck? It's established that it's Lumity. At no point Disney had said so. But it's like, come on. The fans say Lumity and not Lucidity, so they eventually gave them that. But it was just funny for a few hours. It was there as Lucidity. And the other one, of course, is the Taiwanese translation that everybody knows about, how they tried to remove all romantic subtext of it. And claim that they're just going to be best friends and dress up and travel together, rather than, do you want to go out with me? <laughs> and, God, that one in particular got so mocked, because, like, it's it's kind of a mixture of people are so furious about, like, the query ratio, which nobody's really sure entirely if they did that intentionally or if it was a translation issue. Yeah. But, like, all the people making fun of it, like, it got spread over to the She-Ra and Korra fandoms, too, because they do also have big queer communities because of, like, Katadora and, uh whatever the core yeah Korazami like called deal people people made fun of it from there as well because they're like oh this is just a funny thing to just play off of and <laughs> the, the the best proof i like about it entirely is uh a morning mark comic where i'd mentioned their comics in like episode one i think when we were doing the show proper where yeah. it's like a fan comic of them in the future where they air quotes censor it with having like text on the bottom of like what the translation is where like Luz like gets out on one knee and says to Amity that she found a lost ring and wants her help trying to find it to the lost and found and when like Amity says <laughs> yes like Luz is like oh I thank you Amity you're such a good friend for some reason I want to get a closer look at you and then they blur out the kiss and say we'll be right back at the old house it's, it's a very funny little spoof comic <laughs> it's very funny <laughs> yeah I'm tired of talking that's all everything I have there so yeah. if you want to go to okay. question <laughs> Well, that was very impressive. But yes, let's go to questions. Um, if you'd like to send us questions, you can do so at usweirdoscast on Twitter or at uh, usweirdoscast at gmail.com. And if you do, we will very probably read your questions on the show. So, uh, from future Erica at silent underscore Magnus. God, Harpy Ida is so hot. Wait, no, that's not a question. Uh, what sort of animal slash human hybrid would you want to be? It's kind of hard to go faint that's not half bird, right? Because, like, if you're turning into, like, a bird creature, you'll have wings so you don't have to deal with driving. Yeah, well, I don't know. Like, whatever I turn into, I want to get cool powers out of it, right? Because, like, saying, I don't know, we've talked about, I know a lot about tigers, yeah? Yeah. But if I turned into a tiger, I would not really get anything out of it except shedding. So, yeah. not a great choice. You'd be able to run faster, but yeah. Not, not as yeah, much exactly. different. <laughs> I, I think, like, aside so, from bird, I guess, like, some sort of aquatic animal that can ever breathe on the water or stay on the water for a long time. But I also feel like a lot of them is like, well, if you don't go shark, you're probably just going to be food for something else if you're, like, half penguin or something. 
or, um, or half seal. This would probably be entirely visually horrifying, but I think I got to go with mantis shrimp. I want the punches that are the speed of sound. <laughs> hey, that's that's fair. I guess your hands would be be big claws, right? You, you, oh uh, dang it! You you haven't played Elder Ring, so you don't know the, like the big prawn enemies that I'm thinking of. <laughs> they're like I these, do not. they're these like weird, very goofy like bipedal prawn enemies that like shoot like weird spines and like have these like big pole arms or whatever. I'm just imagining that, <laughs> but like crossed over with a person. <laughs> <laughs> they don't punch though; they just have a big spear or whatever. <laughs> oh jeez. Oh, I have to send you an image real quick. <laughs> oh, you're trying to find it. I, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure if you just Google other ring prawn, you'll find it. <laughs> uh, no, this is Mantis Shrimp Man. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, no, okay, they're officially called Lesser Kindred of Rot. Air, air quotes, pests. That's what they're called. Traumatic. Ring. Yeah. I mean, it, some of the enemies in Elder Ring ever have, like, the most metal-less fuck names, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I fucking fought a thing called the, uh, like, the God-Devouring Serpent the other day. It's like, yeah, it's a big old snake spile. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I mean, I guess, like, yeah, I'd probably, like, it's funny for me to be like, I would either go, like, a bird or some sort of aquatic animal with me while I get motion sick if I'm flying or on a boat. <laughs> so it's like... Oh, no. Yeah. I don't know, maybe maybe a turtle to like uh, match what I came up with at the Palisman idea because it's like, well, sometimes you don't want to retreat in the shell and not deal with the outside world. <laughs> okay, yeah, nice. Um, let's see. From Casey Cosmos, at Casey Cosmos, uh, what would you make an illusion army of? This is in reference to last week's episode because there was a little bit of a mix-up with Casey's questions. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hmm. I feel like if you're doing that, it's to, like, pull a big prank on somebody or to do, like, a robbery. <laughs> I feel like there are only those two <laughs> options. <laughs> so, like, if we're not going with the crime one, I think it's, like, I would just, like, make, like, just, you know, like, the kind of thing people do where, like, sometimes they, like, just, like, sneak, like, notes around the apartment just to, like, mess with their roommates or something. I feel like mm -hmm. it'd be that, but it's, like, all the same, like, little toy or something just spread around the, the house in, like, the most random places. Just to be like, what the <laughs> fuck are all these things doing here? <laughs> like, maybe, yeah, yeah, I guess, like, I guess, like, like little toy soldiers or something. <laughs> just being like, oh, all these army men are just around the apartment for some reason. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I guess it depends on what I was going to do with an illusion army. But if, for instance, I was trying to defend the ancient graveyard or whatever, I suspect I would probably go with, uh, Armies of Elementals, specifically. Three of them. I want a Paper one, and a Lemon Juice one, and a Salt one. <laughs> and just, you know, repeating versions of those. That should be enough to keep anybody out. <laughs> I like I like how we go from like, oh, you're doing the context of the show, and I'm like, it's either pranking people or doing robbery. <laughs> the different ways our brains work. I mean, some of us are just more inclined to hang out in spooky old graveyards. Fair. I, I don't really have a penchant for doing that. Yeah. That's, uh, I mean, those days are gone. I'm not a teen anymore. Hanging out in graveyards is for teens, but there was one about two blocks from my house when I was a teenager, and I did take advantage of it. <laughs> um, let's see. You have to make one of those long, dark boat rides. What is the theme of it? 
Oh boy. Uh, are we just talking like any like normal like interior boat ride that would like be at like Disney, like Pirates of the Caribbean kind of deal? Yeah, I think we're talking just a general dark ride, and gotcha. specifically yeah. a tunnel of love. <laughs> okay. Uh, I mean, I'm a massive dork, and if uh, Mike's listening to this episode, they'll appreciate this. I would make it Skies of Arcadia themed because somebody has to keep the Skies of Arcadia fandom alive, so it might as well be me. <laughs> that's fair all right i'm not familiar but i mean it's it's just a really good jrpg where you have like you do like fights on like the ground like a normal rpg at times but also at some points you have like ship to ship battles or ship versus giant monster battles so it's Mm -hmm. you like having to like actually like do like not like move the ship around but it's like you doing stuff like oh occasionally you have to do like evasive maneuvers to try to like reduce your chance of getting really like fucked up on a turn when the enemy's gonna do a really strong attack kind of deal and like a lot right. of times building up to firing uh at first the harpoon cannon or later on the moonstone cannon once you get the different ship because it's basically just you're firing <laughs> a laser powered by the six moons to destroy a bunch of like giant monsters that were created to destroy the world it gets really crazy <laughs> It's a, very, it's, like it. it's a very good game, and it's a shame that it's still stuck on Dreamcast and the GameCube. They should put it on fucking Steam. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I think since it's a boat ride, I'm going to go with, um, and, you know, out of left field, entirely in character. Uh, the Pirate Movie is a movie that I absolutely love. One of my favorites, and I think I would like a Pirate Movie, The Ride. Because it's very much a comedy movie, so the pirate movie, The Ride, is extremely in character for. <laughs> but yeah, it's um, it's a 1980s comedy adaption of a Gilbert and Sullivan opera about oh, okay. pirates. So. Some reason I was thinking the uh, uh, like the style of like the Wallace and Gromit movies, where it's like just like a, pir- a pirate movie. It's it's where the meme of like yes, well actually no comes from, whatever that movie's uh, called. I believe that is just pirate exclamation point. It was based on a book called The Pirates Exclamation Point in an Adventure with the Scientist, but that I don't think they kept that whole title for Oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> yes, I do know the titles of pirate books. What a shock. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, just two episodes ago, we already talked about your pirate phase, which admittedly yeah. kind of happened to you inadvertently. Yes, you're actually right. It, it is straight up called... Uh, Apparently, it's like officially called Pi- the Pirates Band of Misfits. Oh, okay. I hadn't heard that subtitle. Hmm. Well, it's, I mean, I think that might be like depending on region, because I also see here the Pirates and Adventurous Scientists is like the full term. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was its uh, official title in North America, Australia, and oh, okay, in North America, Australia, and New Zealand, it was Pirates the Band of Misfits. Everywhere else, it was the Pirates and Adventurous <laughs> Scientists. Okay. We figured that out. Yeah. So the, there were a bunch of books, and I guess maybe they had hoped to do a series, but like, honestly, the other books are An Adventure with Whaling, An Adventure with Communists, An Adventure with Napoleon, <laughs> An Adventure with Romantics. So I'm not shocked that series didn't get off the ground. Yeah, a little bit. Seems like it might go a little okay. ridiculous there. But yeah, no, that's that's not the thing i'm talking about i'm talking about very specifically the ridiculous comedy movie yeah so, okay <laughs> yeah gotcha uh yeah um also from casey uh since it's tdov what fictional characters do you trans headcanon <laughs> and uh all of them <laughs> <laughs> 
Everyone is trans when nobody else will be. <laughs> uh... Like, I'm not being facetious here. Everyone in every media I can <laughs> Like, you heard me earlier. That witch was trans because she had purple hair. That's all it takes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I definitely remember some people, like, coding Edelgard from Three Houses as trans, which, like, yeah, I can see a little bit. And, uh, uh, trying to think of other characters I'm thinking of. Uh, I mean, it's kind of, like, a little hard to not, like, at a certain point, like, kind of had Kevin, uh, Steven from Steven Universe as trans at times, but also, like, he acts just, like, super feminine and... That's just how he is. That's just the kind of person he is. It's just like it's a little easy to like not like it's kind of hard not to see him as that because like of all the times he's like fusing with other like femme coded characters at times. Yeah. So yeah, it's like it, it's right. Yeah. Okay. That's the same exact uh, movie poster I saw when I googled pirates movie. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. For some reason, based on like just like the two people front and center, I was like, "Is this a porn?" Because <laughs> like, they they definitely are naked, just covered by a flag. <laughs> so <laughs> it is not a porn, but uh, in keeping, they're a hundred percent trans. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. <laughs> um, trying to think of other characters in particular. Do, do, do. Uh, hmm. I mean, I guess, like, it's kind of hard to go with because, like, a lot of the characters I used to got confirmed as trans. Like, Madeline from Celeste was the biggest one. Because it's yeah. like, oh, yeah, you've, you've watched that, like, you play that game, and it's like, oh, okay, this tracks of why people, like, hey, kind of that she's trans. And then it's like, no, actually, this whole game was, like, the creator themselves, like, with their, like, uh, adventure with gender and everything, and eventually coming out <laughs> to the point where, like, Madeline straight up comes out as, well, I guess not, like, more like subtly at first because it's like you just see like the the pride flag and like the pill bottle in the tlc bit that they have but also like yeah. i mean they are straight up at the point where they're just like earlier today had a tweet from the official celeste twitter account with a bunch of like trans imagery on it being like you are appreciated <laughs> kind of deal <laughs> and it's like yeah it's like kind, kind of hard to like try to like try to argue that she's not trans based on that really <laughs> yeah a little bit yeah uh, I don't know. I, I see a lot of people like had Ken and like Daisy from Mario as trans, which is like, yeah, okay, I can see that. Like, <laughs> uh, obviously the big one is Birdo, because like Birdo has like different gender turns in Japanese and American versions. Kind of like uh, yeah. Vivian from Thousand Year Door, where like Vivian is referred to as a man in the Japanese version, but as a woman in the American. So it's like, mm, not really sure about that then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, that I, is, oh, that's yeah, all I, the questions we have from Twitter. Did we get anything in the email? No, but I, I just have another one, because, like, I definitely remember people also thinking that Go from the current Pokemon anime was non-binary when uh, he was introduced, but unfortunately, no, he's just a cis dude. But ah. there is a lot of implication going on that he actually has some romantic feelings for Ash at the moment, so there's at least that. <laughs> Which most of the time it's only like the female traveling companions that do, and it's like, oh, okay, at least you're dying to like actually lay some groundwork there, I guess, for something a little different. <laughs> also, I didn't actually know this, but like at some point, apparently, like Ash tried to get a kiss out of Serena back in the X and Y anime. It's something I saw earlier because I was like watching a uh, Hollow Live compilation uh, compilation of them playing Mario Kart while one of them's just talking about like a bunch of Pokemon deep lore. Like, I mean, well, hey, that doesn't make any sense at all. No. Nah. But like, I mean, hey, you remember like the you saw the uh you remember the fourth movie when a Pokemon definitely did cut, kiss Ash in a human disguise? 
Yep. Yep. Because that body is definitely did kiss him when it's like she is not a person. She's a Pokemon. <laughs> I'm just Ash is the ultimate ace arrow. He shouldn't be trying to kiss anyone. <laughs> yeah, I kind of deal. Yeah, like Ash is too dumb to know what love or romance or sex are. <laughs> But also at the same time, he's like 15 at most, so it's like he's he's too young in general. <laughs> uh, I'm just seeing a pretty funny uh, translate visibility comic at the moment of somebody like it's it's a fan art of Ida holding up Rain, being like, "Everyone look at them," and Rain's like, "No, don't look at me," because Rain has a <laughs> It's very cute. But yeah, um, that's like I said, that's all the questions we have on Twitter. So. Uh... I don't think we have anything to add to the crimes count today, since Luz was basically not on screen and also just embarrassed. Yeah, like, she's not really in Episode 7 much. In Episode 8, she's just being bi as hell. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, uh, yeah. I guess that'll take us to the uh, artist uh, spotlight. Okay. Who have you got for us this week? Uh, yeah, in contrast to last week, when it was very serious, we're back to this cutesy, goofy shit again. Because hey. I'm gonna chill, uh... God, I always, like, I always pick the people at the weirdest fucking handles I cannot pronounce. Uh, the display name that they go based on, and unfortunately I cannot find pronouns of this person either, the display name they use is RF underscore Cordova, or Cordova, but their handle on Twitter and Instagram is at RayCav97, R-E-I-C-A-V-97. And uh, they just make, a, again, going based on what I usually pick, they make a lot of, like, very cute fan art like they did one just the other day of lucent king meeting del clothorn and it's very suspiciously similar yellow cardinal palisman who oh boy have you have you seen the fucking theory that people think that he's related to fucking the original brother that hunter's based on people think that he's related to bellows tangentially now or the clothons are <laughs> because of that just because of the palisman and the fact that he has similar hair hmm that's yeah. a i don't that's a little Yeah, much. It, it might be a bit stretching it, but like, oh boy, it's just a lot. <laughs> Maybe one of his ancestors what? helped carve the palace for the brothers. Who knows? But yeah, uh, uh, RF Cordova has also made a pretty funny one where uh, Avenue's trying to put on the charm with some Spanish, but she's also really embarrassed trying to like actually learn it from Gus at first. <laughs> uh, there's also one where like Avenue's like, Luce, we've only been dating for two weeks and you've already planned out the next 20 years of our lives and it's just Luce surrounded by like stacks of paper. And she's like, well, I'm sorry for planning <laughs> kind of deal. And it's like, Luce, you probably shouldn't plan out the next 20 years of your life when you also don't know how to get back home yet. <laughs> Uh, yeah. there, there's another funny one where it's like it's a series of comics where Hunter keeps trying to get Amity to do a favor for him. It's never specified what, but she's like just keeps staring at him with like d like daggers in her eyes, saying like "die" and trying to get him to go away. And like Luce like kind of pokes at him, being like, "Oh, you can't get a favor out of Amity, huh? Watch the master." And he's like, "Yeah, good luck." And she like goes up to Amity, being like, "Hey, Amity, can you help me out? Something?" She's like, "Absolutely. What do you need?" <laughs> just <laughs> pissing off Hunter, basically. And a uh, pretty funny one where Amity is a little annoyed with Luce for, again, some unspecified reason. And, like, Luce is trying to help her, like, again, try to get, like, a, her to do something for her kind of deal. And Amy's like, I'm not going to just cave to you just for asking Luce. And Luce, like, immediately does, like, some sad puppy dog guys and asks again. And Amity, again, just caves immediately where she's like, I want to keep making mad at her a bit, but also I can't. <laughs> very funny. Uh, the, the, my favorite of them recently is one where it's back in like season one, Amity, where 
it's like her being a bit annoyed at Luce just being her usual bubbly self, telling her to knock it off before she falls for her, and then Luce like continues to just be loose. Like straight up the sound effect is continues to be loose. And then I <laughs> like on the last panel just has like a big like heart behind her in the background and she's just screaming, Fuck <laughs> 'cause he's like, Oh god damn it, I did it. <laughs> it's it's very funny. <laughs> Yeah, it's again nice. just like the usual. It's just bubbly, lumity nonsense. It's it's just targeted at me entirely because it's just very cute. And I mean, we we basically yeah. run this. We did we decided to do this show because we wanted to like highlight a bunch of the queer stuff. And it's like, of course, we're gonna highlight the queer stuff through the era stuff. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's just funny. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So um, I I think we're good. Do you have anything else you want to bring up? No, I think that's it. Like, hey, for hey, for uh, we're gonna break our streak here of uh, having the longest episode, because <laughs> unless we want to fill like twenty something minutes of dead air here at the end, where we ain't got enough. Nah, it's fine. We'll figure something out <laughs> in our longest episode intro ever. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think it no was worries. though. It was not. We talked way more last yeah. week. Also, I mean, you're going to cut out the uh, the error that you did last week as well, where you got the intro wrong. <laughs> not to call you out here oh, and put yeah. you on blast <laughs> at the end of the episode, but yeah, two weeks in a row. <laughs> you'd be like, God damn it, why can't I get it? <laughs> uh, Will, do you listen to our episodes? Uh, sometimes. Okay. Do you listen all the way to the end? Like maybe after the theme song? Mm, not as much. Okay, no reason. <laughs> oh no, we're gonna cut this part out too. <laughs> Everybody, write into the podcast and demand that nobody can't censor me here. I'm being canceled. <laughs> the people need to know about the fact that we're human and therefore can mistake mistakes with the intro. Also, with me making mistakes here, trying to say that we can make mistakes because I definitely mixed the two words together. <laughs> Again, just proving that I am Rain Whispers, actually. <laughs> Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, I suppose then there's not much left to do but to say that uh, you can find me on Twitter at patch underscore jacket, where I very injudiciously posted my face today. So I guess you can look at me. Yeah, it's we, wild. We, we I've never did. done that before. Actually, I posted <laughs> my face twice in the last few days. <laughs> What? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's if, weird. <laughs> if you want to see a picture of me wearing uh, femme pajama pants and just this uh, bralid uh, from yesterday, I guess by the time we're recording this, you can follow me at Quill Shines On <laughs> on Twitter, where like, yeah, I'm just apparently at some point something in my mind clicked of like, no fucks given, whatever, fuck it. <laughs> you want to see the curvature <laughs> of my titties? I'll go, I'll go and show the t- curvature of my titties to celebrate my 16 month anniversary on hormones. I guess I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> bang yeah getting horny on main apparently <laughs> yeah meanwhile earlier this week i was like i think i'm just ace and arrow everybody but like i guess you can't i guess you can still be horny even though you're like i don't want to do anything with that <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah i can still like and retweet a bunch of picture fan art of like big like titty anime people at times i don't care <laughs> <laughs> I definitely have also noticed I'm, like, way more... I'm way less, like, concerned about what people think of me if I do like that stuff. It's like, yeah, whatever, what the fuck. It's it's fan art of Tifa. It's like, everybody knows who Tifa is. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It just... It's 
It's your attraction or lack thereof. You get yeah. to choose what to do with it. Hey, it's at least different. I'm not retweeting the whole video of her getting railed that was at the Italian Senate a few weeks ago, whatever it was. Because <laughs> holy shit, remember that that happened this year? <laughs> uh, we live in a strange time. Yes, again, as we said near the, the top of the episode, we want to desperately live in presidented times. <laughs> and not, not the hellscape that is 2022. <laughs> Or yeah. AKA 2020 part three. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, on that bewildering and strange final note. This is, this is why I, I don't so... mention the podcast to my mom or roommates, by the way. <laughs> 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 I mean, you even mentioned to me about like the, that little project I'm going to help you with where it's like, we have to keep PG. And I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You're going to have to be yeah. cautious about that. <laughs> It will indeed be tricky. It will take all of my <laughs> editing skills to keep us on the right track. <laughs> We're going to record an hour of show, and then I'll edit it down to like 10 minutes. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> but yeah, so... Um, I think there's nothing much left for us to say today, but to remember, us weirdos have, have to, to stay, stay together. together. Bye! Bye. <laughs> Will you be my stay? My wholesome magic steady. I'll conjure you some flowers. We could hold wholesome hands for hours. Will you be Welcome to Us Weirdos Stick Together. No, that's two weeks in a row. Ah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> now keep it in, keep going.